looking at a remarkable idea. An idea that has intrigued and attracted and literally thrilled thousands upon thousands of men, women, and children. And you, my friends, are about to witness this idea become a reality. For this is the story of the miracle sea in the desert. Welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Oh, yeah, live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find podcast version of this program. Go to michaeldeacon.com for further assistance. Now, joining me tonight on this very special evening is Michael Fitzhugh Bell. Michael is victimized through the illegal misuse of advanced nanotechnology, biomedical devices embedded throughout his body using clandestine government-classified technologies. His first book demonstrated his first-hand experience and used actual verified doctor's reports and documented medical images to prove this fact. Then on the second half of this program, Robert Bonomo will be live and direct. He is a filmmaker, blogger, novelist, and esotericist. Robert has spent a lifetime exploring religious and spiritual traditions from Zen to Gnosticism. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. The planets have aligned, and here I am, America's most wanted, right before all of you here. I miss all of you out there so much. Nothing like getting behind this microphone and doing this very program. Of course, thank you to those here in America and those outside of America for the great support. Now. Tonight will be a bit of a rattlesnake. We have a tremendous show loaded in the chamber just for you. Keep in mind, this program is designed for an open discussion. Your opinion does matter to me. I will open up the phone lines eventually, but hold on. Let's bring in our first guest here. Michael, are you alive and well? I'm here. I'm glad to hear that. I'm so relieved that you are actually here tonight and spending this glorious evening with us all. Me too, me too. Right, right. So, Michael, you have an amazing story, and I want to get into all of these sort of things, and, of course, I really do appreciate you reaching out to me, essentially, to be on the program. Sure. Um, I can I can give you um, and the listeners a brief introduction, what happened to me. I was uh, living as a... Um, aspiring screenwriter out in Hollywood, California, like so many people um, who have dreams that they, they want to go to Hollywood and have them uh, there. But also while I was there, I was also a motion picture caterer working on movies and television series and, and TV commercials. Uh, but I, I was always had my hand in the business um, through the through the catering and um, 
And I was just getting meetings with uh, some of the top studios and some of the top literary agencies um, right at one point, right when I was just getting my foot in the door, one night I was drugged and abducted from my apartment in Hollywood. And um, I remember bits and pieces of the uh, abduction. I, m- I remember the the perpetrators were wearing frightening masks. And I remember at one point lying on a stainless steel table with the bright light shining on me and surgeons standing with surgical masks standing over me. And, um, and then I woke up thinking that it was the next morning. But to my horror, I discovered that it was actually eight days later. And I examined my body and my body was riddled with dozens of these um, tiny corresponding and symmetrical covert cosmetic surgical incision scars, very tiny surgical incision scars, hardly could even see them, but I, I'd noticed them and I, and, and I, and they were all, I, I'd never seen them before. They were fresh um, I consulted with, I didn't know what to do. Um, uh, it, this completely blindsided my life. I consulted with several private investigators and a former CIA agent that informed me that it sounded like I had become what is known as a targeted individual right. and that, that I'd possibly been implanted with advanced nanotechnology biomedical devices. Yeah, that's very interesting. Now, I want you to take me back to when you mentioned you were taken yeah. from your home. Right. Uh, what, what do you, what kind of recollection do you have of that event, Michael? Yes, I was, uh, I was watching television that evening and I had opened uh, a, a beer and I, and obviously the, um, top of the beer bottle had been painted with some very quick, fast acting drug. Uh, and I took one sip, um, and I can, and it instantly hit me and, and, and my, my, um, uh, research has revealed that what most likely was given to me at that point was a drug called scopolamine, which is um, a very um, dangerous drug, and it's it's one of the least known drugs and one of the most dangerous drugs in the world. And um, that hit me so quickly uh, that uh, I wasn't really sure. Uh, well, you know, everything went, went hazy as soon as that, as soon as that stuff hit my system. And then the next thing I remember was, was waking up the next day with these intermittent, um, memories, uh, of the, the perpetrators. I could see that these, that they, they were people that were wearing masks. Like, that they, you know, I could see that these were people. And, um, I could make out enough of the distinction of some of the faces of some of the people that I could see that they were were Asian people, some of the people. Um, I could make out that much of, of the of their the, of their face. The, the 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 masks that they were wearing are that are called carnival masks reveal most of the face, but not all of it. So you can pretty much see a person, but the nose and and the eyes are are usually uh, where the mask hides. But anyway, um, I had. Um, Consulted uh, several 
um, private investigators and the CIA agent informed me that it sounded like that I'd been implanted with this advanced nanotechnology biomedical devices. So now, uh, you know, nobody really comes to your aid. You know, you'd think you go down to the emergency room and go, hey, uh, I, 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 somebody drugged me. Uh, I believe that uh, I was operated on. I have no idea what happened to me. You, you know, you, you, when you make the mistake of telling the truth like that, that truth, they use that they being the perpetrator group that's orchestrating this entire um, operation. This, this, what I referred to in my two books as the invisible crime. Right. Um, it, um, people, people aren't going to believe uh, it, the the story is the story. The truth is too outlandish for people to believe. Um, that's the beauty. One of the beauties of this crime is that it covers its own its own tracks. Um, it doesn't really uh, require anyone to um, to say anything other than that this person must be mentally ill. Who would want to do something like that to you? You know, when you when yeah, you when you I understand. And first and foremost, I have to say I apologize that you had experienced that sort of thing. Yeah. I can only imagine waking up and coming to the realization that you were raped. That's right. awful. that's pretty awful, Michael. Right. Yeah, you you know, you're you know, you're you're completely violated. You've been operated on, you've been drugged, you've been taken out of your apartment. Uh you're completely uh, I mean endless uh illegal uh operations have been performed on you including human experimentation which is the highest uh, of the, of the, of the, the capital punishment crimes that, that exist. No, no crime even exists higher than human experimentation. It's, uh, it's, the, it's even with murder as the same or even with murder, probably worse than murder because, um, when the, in the, when the Nazis were, were convicted of, of human experimentation, they were all, um, they were all, put to death so it's um yeah it's it's it, it was very difficult to explain it and to and to figure out it took quite a while for me to figure out what exactly had happened to me because i had no prior no prior no you know i never had heard any of anything like this so i had to i had to become an expert pretty quickly on um, radiology, reading radiology reports. I had to travel around the world collecting medical evidence to prove that this had happened to me um, in the form of MRIs, ultrasounds, x-rays, all with verified and validated real doctor's reports, all clearly showing foreign objects directly beneath the, the covert surgical incision scars and the private investigators and the former CIA agent all told me that I was likely part of a massive field test and illegal clinical trial of human experimentation using classified technologies and People were, would ask, well, what are they, what are they doing? What, what, what's all this testing about? It's what it is believed to be is the most advanced 
weapons system ever created by mankind. And it's a weapon in every sense of the word, and it involves every aspect of science, neuroscience, psychology, medicine, physics, mathematics, and all war tactics, techniques, and methods. Um, it's a human experimentation program that causes extreme psychological terror as well as physical torture. And this kind of illegal human experimentation is considered a war crime and is the highest ranking type of capital crime punishable by the death penalty, as I, as I just mentioned. Um, it's also been estimated that I'm not, I'm one of many people, uh, in this, what's, what's known as an unacknowledged special access program. Understood. And Michael, let me just ask you this. Do you have any knowledge of why they would want to rape you? Um, I'm asking this because I'm curious, was this just sort of uh, insult to injury? I don't think it was necessary to go that far. Um, I believe it's, part of what's called trauma-based behavior modification. You see, when you, when you, when you get somebody, you have to create, for someone to have post-traumatic stress dis- disorder, they have to have some kind of traumatic event, uh, in their life to, 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 to cause that. Um, and if they don't have that already, causing Something like, like being drugged, being raped, being operated on, um, all of these things will cause trauma. And while the victim, uh, or the targeted individual, they can be used interchangeably, um, uh, the, the victim will, see, see, now I just got blocked what I was going to say to you, um, You'll have to help me again. I'm sorry. I just lost my my train of thought. Um, Yes, I was just asking why this procedure would have to involve raping you, Michael. I'm sorry. See, that's another thing, too. I wanted to say quickly, um, um, during... During my interviews, obviously the people that are behind my experimentation are going to great lengths to see that I don't expose um, what's what's cloaked in secrecy and deception. Yeah. Uh, uh, I believe for sure during my radio interviews, especially an interview like this one, I believe my perpetrators, the people that are behind my particular ex- experimentation, my torture, whatever you want to refer to it as, um, are using similar frequency weapons on me to help to diminish my ability to communicate effectively to the listeners, jamming and dulling my focus, disorienting me as I try to form and convey thoughts, even sometimes mid-sentence, which compromises my credibility. So when I'm when I'm doing one of these interviews, even though I've written two books on the subject matter and I'm very familiar with it, I can draw a blank at times where I know the answer, but it's if you if you understand um if you uh, in the second book that i've written um a process called synthetic telepathy is what uh, is what we're talking about here um and um 
that the uh, and also I, I wanted to go in a little just a, a quicker a detail about um, this program that I'm that I'm putting. You asked me the, about the trauma. Right. Um, this uh, the, the the this program is widely recognized as an unacknowledged special access program believed to be at the highest military industrial complex level, which is composed of the military, the black ops, the military, the military department of defense, the NSA, the department of justice and the defense advanced research projects agency, DARPA um, are all believed to be ensconced in this, in this um, project. Uh, the reason to keep the, what happens is initially I had a life before I was targeted, a normal natural life, um, with no, any extraordinary traumas that someone, you, you have traumas in life. You have a car accident. Things do happen to people, but not like this. And then, uh, the reason that, um, that I was, uh, given such a traumatic experience uh, and constant reminders of that is because it's part of the, what I was describing, the behavior modification process is a, is a, um, it's a tool that is used in what is believed to be by no other description, mind control. So if you can keep a, victim or a person, whoever it is, in this case a victim, a targeted individual, myself, if you can keep them in that elevated traumatic state by constantly re-triggering that, it's easier for the perpetrators to bend the person's urges, their moods, their um, uh, remote, it, th- these are things that are being done remotely using very advanced, sophisticated, classified technology. We're talking about remotely induced mind control, dream manipulation, mood alteration, urge induction, memory fogging. That's what I was just talking about. Right. Like I could just be talking and then suddenly forget what I was talking about. You go blank. That's that's memory fogging, and that that happens constantly. Um, Even with my notes, that happens to me throughout my interviews. So um, it tells me that of the importance of what I have to expose to um, the American people and to the world and what I've written about in my books must be pretty important for people to go to such great lengths to try to hide it. I would imagine. Yes, of course, the invisible crime is right. what we are discussing here tonight with Mr. Michael Bell. And, Michael, I must ask you, what, what about your parents and yeah. anyone else in your family? Are they involved to any sort of extent with the government? Uh, no. Um, no, there's no no government affiliation. Um, uh, people will ask me. Um, I, I have no, there's no one in my no one in my family who has any government uh, affiliation or has wronged anyone or um, has worked for any uh, corporations that might have that have been known to turn on their employees. Yes, those are those are the obvious things. What I believe happened to me. People ask me, well, well why did they select you? Yeah, why why you? Cho- why were you chosen? Correct. Um, and I believe. 
uh, although no one's come forward to officially take claim uh, or responsibility or accountability for what's happened to me, but I believe that um, I can't overlook um, the real possibility of, of an accident that I was responsible for when I was 19 years old and I caused um, the passenger great injury in that accident, um, uh, um, permanent permanent um, disfigurement, permanent injury um, to their body. Uh, this person happened to be and happens to be part of one of the most powerful, most influential, most wealthy families in the world with extremely strong political and government ties. So, to get into a program like this one that I'm in, the one that I've written about, this unacknowledged special access program where they're actually using, um, without their permission, without their knowledge, without their consent, American citizens being tested on, not in just this country, but other countries as well, but certainly more so in the United States, um, that's... That's where that's where um, I believe it's it, it came from for me, and it seems to make sense to some degree. If you knew the if you knew the 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 wealth and the influence and the power of this family, you know I, I'm not claiming anyone has done this to me. I'm just saying it seems to me that that story seems to make sense to some degree as. Um, Retribution as payback, um, I believe. Certainly, uh, I, I would, it would be very difficult for me to prove that, but when people ask me why, that's a pretty good reason why. Understood. Understood. And of course, for those who want to check out your website, that's invisiblecrime.com. I had a few people messaging me now about the book. Right. So, um, yes. yeah, there, there's, a, there's two books I have, um, uh, I have two books out. The, the first book is The Invisible Crime, uh, subtitle Illegal Microchip Implants and Microwave Technology and Their Use Against Humanity. And that's um, www.invisiblecrime.com. And then I have a second book, my new book, which is The Invisible Crime Part 2, uh, targeted individuals, synthetic telepathy, and global criminal biomedical human experimentation. And that website is www.michaelfbell.com. And the books are also available at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and wherever fine books are sold. Understood. Now, Michael, take us through the object that you found in your jaw. Yes. Um, I, I had, after, after my, uh, actually, I, I was, if you read in my, in my first book, I was abducted probably upwards of 10 times. This happened to me on, on a regular basis. It was happening about every two and a half to three weeks. That sounds exhausting, I, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I, and not only that, you, it's not a typical crime that happens once. 
and it's done and it's finished, you know, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And then, um, the fear of another abduction. I mean, after you've had a couple of them, uh, it's only logical to assume now that they, 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 these people have so much power that they're able to come into your life and grab you whenever they want. What can you do to prevent them from doing this again? And no matter, these people have unlimited money. We're talking about people who, who, uh, multinational corporations, the, um, portions of the government, um, the, it's certainly, um, the most, uh, uh, the largest portion would be the, um, global, organized group of criminals, um, the mafia, the Illuminati, whatever you want to refer to that organized, there is a, 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 a massive criminal, uh, wealthy, um, powerful crew uh, that, that's, uh, that's in power right now in the cabal that's, that's be- believed to be the cabal is, is a secret group or science uh, group that's within a, um, a government uh, or uh, some some kind of science facility. This is this is what's believed to be happening um, because programs like this cost trillions of dollars and and it's been estimated since the beginning of this the inception of this program 70 years ago that trillions and trillions with a t have been poured into this program and it's the the, the crime itself is based in secrecy and deception so um getting to finding out and that and that factors in and keeping the targeted individuals from finding out who the, their perpetrators are and where they might be located. And the, 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 the location is really limited to the range of the equipment that they're using on, 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 on a person. Um, the, these classified technologies, we don't know for sure if they're obviously they're classified. They could they could incorporate the satellite system. They could incorporate the cellular system. We don't know for sure, but they're obviously piggybacking on some of those systems um, to make this crime possible. Um, because once you've been at least me, someone like myself, who has been chipped. If you want to use that word chipped, or if you have believe you have, with all the proof that I have in the first book, it's not hard to figure out that something terrible has happened to me. I have all the proof in the book, and the medical evidence can't be can't be argued. Um, uh, but the, you asked about the one that was removed from my jaw. That's correct. Yes. I I strayed from that for a second. I'm sorry about that. I just wanted to complete this story a little bit better. Uh, when it happened to me, I, I started, I noticed, uh, I noticed immediately, I noticed the scars that I could find easily on my body, but there were places on my body and on everyone's body that you can't really look at 
as easily, like for instance, behind your own ears is a, is a, is a spot you can, you can look at if you stand in front of a mirror and hold another mirror and look into the reflection of the mirror that you're holding in your hand, you can look behind your own ear. But in general, you'd never think about looking behind your ears. And that's exactly where these, the, the most blatant scars are, are to be found in people. And I see them in people Everyday people. Really? That, oh, every day. I mean, you should see when I, when I go to the bank, when I'm standing in a line, uh, going, when I'm, when I'm, whatever I'm doing, when I'm standing in a line at Starbucks, I'm looking at the person, I'm right behind the person in front of me, and I'm looking directly behind their ears, and I'm seeing the scars in every single person. I've never seen a person, there's, there hasn't been a person that I found that has that doesn't have some of the scars, and in in my first book, I tell the the reader I explain to them exactly where they're going to find these scars, what they're going to look like, and how to go about getting one removed. Like for instance, you asked about the one in my jaw. I, I realized through doing all my MRIs, I could see the white the dense white spots that weren't natural that were symmetrically placed throughout my jaw and then I could actually with the tip of my finger I could actually feel a little something about the size of a half of a half of a tic-tac or even a third of the size of a tic-tac very small tiny little piece of something floating around in the gum line so I had to go to about 12 different doctors to get it removed. Each time I go to the doctor, I tell him, listen, I have this thing right here. It gives me terrible pain. Uh, I have MRIs and ultrasounds. It's a foreign object. I want it taken out. And they would leave the room. This would happen. This happened on a regular basis. They would leave the room. They would confirm. They would confer with the, with their other associates out in the hallway for about five or ten minutes, and then they come back in and say, "Mr. Bell, I'm really sorry. We're not going to be able to help you, but we'll send you to someone else who might be able to help you." Hmm. And so, the, so, so, so they. I kept having to do this. I had to go to, to about ten or twelve different doctors till I finally found an ear, nose, and throat doctor that was willing to help me and I explained to him where, what it was and where it was and and you could actually see a scar I said you can actually see a white scar so there's something that's obviously underneath there you can see it's floating it's not attached to my body it's free floating in in the in the in the uh, jaw tissue um and the guy said sure I'll take it out no problem I'll take it out for you so that was the initial visit when I went and visited with him, the appointment, the extraction a week later when I came back for that, um, and I had my mother there as a witness, oh, he was a completely changed person. He wasn't all peaches and cream the way he was the first time. Ah, sure, I'll take it out, no problem. He was like, all right, I, I will take it out. Um, it will have to be sent to pathology. We're going to have to examine it. He was very determined. Really, the, 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 the chain of custody is technically me. 
It's mine. It's being removed from my body. Whatever's in my body, whether it's a, a bullet or a piece of glass or a splinter, or in this case, a biomedical implant believed to be, um, it's mine. So that was taken away from me. But I did manage to get several photographs of it, which I included in the first book. And people that have had implants removed and have seen the pictures of the ones that I took the pictures of in the book, in the first book, um, said, oh, yeah, that, that that's definitely yeah. Uh, people that know anything about it can see very quickly what it is. Um, but yes, I was able to, uh, I was able to get that one out and get it on the table. And the doctor left the room for a second. And for a split second, it did cross my mind to, to swallow it because I knew he was going to take it away from me and I'd never see it again. But I also knew that if I did that and I, and I waited and I recovered it the way I naturally, you know, a couple of days later, whatever sure. it takes to pass through me, I would be blacklisted and I might get in trouble and the police might get involved. I had no idea, but for a split second, while it was sitting there, that did go through my mind. I, I mean, because I, I could see that I was being railroaded. I could see that this thing was not supposed to be inside me. That was mine. I'm being violated. This whole thing is illegal. Something very terrible is going on here, and um, they're trying to do their best to cover it up as quickly as possible. Um, that's that's what. So when you asked about the one from my from my jaw, I also had another one, another Im- implant device, um, which showed up an ultrasound I had to go all the way to London England for for that one uh and they were able to find it and I included that in the first book as well all of the the doctor's findings and then when I went and found a a doctor willing to remove it in Austin Texas um they just opened me up and closed me and said they that there was nothing there so and where and before where I had no pain there, but I did have a scar and 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 an object did show up in the MRIs and the ultrasound. Before I had no pain there, but after that operation I did. So I have a feeling that it's not past the point of possibility that I may have actually picked up an extra implant in in that one. Oh, no. Michael, I I have to say, listening to this takes me back to the early 90s, listening to stories about people being implanted, except this was through Roger Lear, if you're familiar with that. I remember Roger Lear, sure. Yeah, this sounds a lot like a lot of these things that go on. Perhaps they're not caused by extraterrestrials, perhaps it's someone in the shadow government, as you refer to. Right. Uh, that's a very uh, astute uh, observation. I believe Dr. Lear, who's no longer with us. Um, that's right. I, I believe I believe that uh, he may have been forced to use the, that terminology in order to continue his uh-huh. investigation. That would make sense. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they, uh, and I believe as it was, I believe he got shut down toward the end of his life as it was anyway, uh, even using that uh, alien decoy um, uh, because you couldn't say that it was the government. 
Um, you right. Know, that, they found yeah. him guilty of committing repeated acts of negligence, uh, ne- negligence rather, by the California board. And that was for a three-year uh, probation, apparently. Right. My goodness. Yeah, it's uh, – uh, so it, it's um, – I mean, without question, this – this crime that I've written about, this invisible crime, which is, which is, it's effect, there's, it's been estimated that there's 170,000 targeted individuals like myself, um, out there, uh, in the world, uh, at least in the United States, 170,000 is the number. And my, my research, which I, I just also wanted to say that my research, um, and my information is based on information I have gathered from private investigators, a former CIA agent, and corresponding with and interviewing thousands of targeted individuals from around the world and my own personal research and experience. So that's what all my writing is, is based on. And part of my research uncovered what the um what the cost the annual cost to the US taxpayer is for this program this is the way it breaks down for every 1000 targeted individuals these are estimates now these are estimates um it's believed that for every 1000 targeted individuals it is 4 billion taxpayer dollars per year for 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 a thousand for for 250 target individuals that's a billion dollars a year for every single targeted individual that's four million dollars each and every year paid by u.s taxpayers and i mean that and if you look and if you're looking at the numbers of 170 thousand people times four million that's nine hundred and forty billion dollars so this is clearly um not only the it it is it is the the biggest conspiracy in the history of of the world in the history of mankind there is nothing no matter what even if there are aliens that conspiracy takes a back seat to this one this is at the top of the list. This is number one. There is nothing bigger than this. There are other things that are linked to this that are just as bad, but this is the number one and probably the biggest, the biggest conspiracy in the history of the world. There, there's, what could be bigger than, than, than human enslavement and depopulation? That's what the main goals of this, of this crime are. Yeah. I'm- very afraid that that is the end goal, but one thing I did want to ask you was there are various forms of electronic harassment, and one of those is through your very own credit card. I'm curious if you have those sort of troubles, Michael, in your day-to-day living. Um, in terms of my – well, I'll tell you how the electronic – the electronic harassment um, – there, it's, it, it, it can be broken down into several different categories. True. Uh, uh, and, um. Which do you the, face? 
Well, the ones, I mean, I, I face many of them. Uh, the, the worst one for me, I would have to say, is the sleep deprivation, the electronic sleep deprivation, um, not being denied sleep. And, oh. and when you're drifting off to sleep, getting a very sharp shock, uh, being, getting a, being jolted, uh, with an electronic shock. Uh, just as you're drifting off to sleep, and each time you try to go to sleep, and this you're doing this throughout the night, each night. That uh, I would say. But in terms of my, and in terms of my um, devices in my house, I believe, uh, and my research indicates that my wherever I have lived has been prepared for me. Uh, wherever, wherever new apartment I ever moved to, I had to, I had to move. 14 times in nine years at one point. And that's a lot of moving. It's a, it's a, it's over one and a half moves a year, um, at one point. And that, I didn't realize that I couldn't outrun this, this crime. This crime comes to you. You can't hide from it. Especially if you have the, the, if you've been, if you've been implanted, you can't hide. You're, you're, you can be viewed, monitored, tracked, tortured, um, mind manipulated remotely from you, from great distances. These are the possibilities that we're talking about, um, with, with these, but, but as you, you asked about my, my devices, my credit cards and stuff, I don't really have, I haven't had any problems with my credit cards a couple of times. I've had things that were related, obviously, were re, re, related to it. I did have some problems. Occasionally, once in a while, I will have one, but, Understood, yes. I, I would have to imagine you face that sort of harassment. And furthermore, in what? terms of the uh, certain frequencies that seem to cause lots of issues with your sleep, uh, definitely I feel that that is possible since there is something called long-range acoustic uh, device, LRAD basically. Right. It was first right. implemented by our military and then later on used through all sorts of law enforcement, the LAPD, more popular to first really use this sort of weaponry. And yep. it's very, very possible that one of these devices can be installed into the host and, of course, remotely accessed. As we know, there's all sorts of technological advances, especially remotely. Right. It's the, 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 um, the capabilities are, are doubling every five years. Uh, and, um, this technology that I'm, I'm really a human test subject, uh, of human experimentation. It seems like that, yeah. And, and, uh, I'm part of the program. And, uh, this program I mean, it's ruthless, completely ruthless. Uh, this is, I, I mean, uh, you, you wouldn't wish this on your worst enemy. It's, it's, uh, absolutely unimaginable what, what, what target individuals face. And then, uh, also too, the, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention to, to, to listeners who are unfamiliar with this, that may already be affected and not even know it. I do in my first book go into very 
detailed, easy to follow directions to find if you've been implanted um, and where to find those scars and what they'll look like and how to go about trying to get them removed. Uh, but um, I have to say the the areas where I've been able to find them on literally every single person, I have not come across a person. I'm not saying there aren't people out there, out there that don't have these in them, but every single person I've examined and have seen in passing, like when I stand in line at, at, at Starbucks and, I'm, and I can't help but whoever's standing in front of me, if they've got short hair, if it's a guy or a girl, whoever it is in front of me, I have com- I know I know exactly what what where the scars are. I know what they look like, and it's easy. I can spot them from very close. Uh, and I have often taken pictures of people um, who've, who've been um, who didn't even know that they've been implanted. People, most of the people, and also too the, the perpetrators themselves. Whenever any of my apartments I work uh, that I that I've lived at, always I would have an apartment where I would have. In, that's why I had to stop living in apartments because I would share a wall with one of the with one of the perpetrators. Be on one one side of me was or above me or below me or on either side of me. I was completely surrounded. So. Um, and you can't escape this. And, uh, and, and imagine how maddening uh, it, it would be to be thrown into this position where you have actual proof that you've been implanted. In, 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 as I published in my in my first book was published um, that proved all that. And this second book, um, and also the the patented technologies that I mentioned. In the first book, um, most people would have no idea that any of these things are going on. And and uh, and, and the well, it's been going on I... for it's been going on for such a long time. As I referred back to the 90s when I first started hearing about these things, um, I recall yeah. IBM was one of the first ones to really get on board with this sort of device. Right? Are they still to blame, or are there other perpetrators? Um, I would say that there are. Many people that are involved in this crime. Many, many, a multinational corporation, the global criminal syndicate, uh, um, areas of the shadow government, the military black ops. There's so many hands that are involved in this. Um, when you're talking about control and depopulation, uh, you're talking about controlling the world, literally. Um, and, um, Oh, one of the things I wanted to mention when you asked about um, the, um, the some of the effects of the electronic harassment, because, yes. because of my constant and continuous exposure to this signal and to the radiation and signals that are generated through these classified technologies that I'm saturated in 24-7, over the years, my natural metabolism has artificially sped up to the point where I have to eat an enormous daily calorie intake just to maintain a normal, healthy weight. So I'm 56, and the average normal calorie intake for a regular person my age would be somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 calories per day. Now. 
I'm burning between six and 10,000 calories every day, even at rest. To give you an idea of how many calories I have to consume every day, that's the same amount of calories that a mountaineer climbing Mount Everest would require on summit day. And if I don't consume enough calories, my weight drops off very quickly, very quickly. So I have to, people, you know, people be like, oh, you should be so happy. Trust me, it's free to lose weight. People don't understand. It's free to lose weight if you're disciplined. It's free. But to... Oh, Michael, you said disciplined. We all know that American civilization lacks discipline. But... (laughs) But to, but to keep weight on when your body is constantly being sped up to the point where you, you're throwing, it's like you can't throw enough, um, it's like a train where they're throwing the coal in. You can't throw it in fast enough before it's burned up. And no matter how much you eat at the end of the day, you're still, this tomorrow morning, the same weight. If, if, so it's, it's expensive. To, to try to, to keep that weight on. Well, yeah, uh, of course. And, and, a, and a huge terrible. job. Nobody wants to, I mean, when you look at, if, if I lay out all the food that I would have to consume on a regular basis, on a regular, on, on an average on a day, and, 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 uh, put that out on a table, someone would go, oh my gosh. Yeah, it seems yeah. like you are overeating for sure. Um, are, are you throwing up any of this food? Never. Never, okay. All, all is well in that department. Everything goes in there. I mean, I'm thin. I'm thin. I'm right where I should be. Um, but if I were to eat what a normal person would, would eat, I, I, my, I, my weight would start sliding off very quickly. And it's very difficult. It's scary. It's frightening. You realize when you're losing weight like that, you're actually dying. You realize that when you, when you, when you're like, oh my gosh, no matter what I'm eating, it's not enough. Understood. Uh, oh, understood. And I believe someone is calling in right now. And if okay. you are listening to the program, I would advise you to turn off the stream in the background. Um, caller, are you alive there? Yes, I'm here. Nice to talk to you, Michael. Yeah, no problem. Did you have a question for Mr. Bell? Yes, I certainly did. I'm, I'm a longtime fan of Michael Bell. I've uh, I've recorded many of his broadcasts and re-listened to them over and over again. There's no bigger proponent uh, to what he's going through. And something strange happened to me the other day, and that's where I was at work, and a gentleman came in, and he started telling me a story that sounded a lot like what Michael Bell is going through. And so I asked him, I says, hey, would you mind if I recorded this conversation, which I did, and I made a video about that. But I happen to have him here with me right now, and his name is Wayne Manby. And I would like to put you two in contact with one another, and 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 I think this could be very interesting. My goodness, Michael, did you hear that? Sure, sure. I, I, I put him on. Certainly, okay. I told him. I told him about you. I, t- I told him about you, and I says, "This is the guy that you need to talk to." And so now you guys are here together. And here is Wayne. I'm handing the phone to him. Amazing. Go ahead, Wayne. Okay, I'm Wayne. Um, I've been uh, a target individual for five years. I started getting. Uh, 
static electric uh, shock at night. It's it's very light, but when you fall asleep, your blood pressure rises from 120 to as much as 220. So um, I can't sleep very long. I have to get up and uh, actually exercise the static electricity out of me. Uh, you know, from two to three hours sometimes. Maybe if I'm lucky, uh, it'll be as low as four or five hours. I mean, as high as four or five hours. But I've right. always noticed that there are satellites over my house. And I moved to Thailand and I found them over my apartment in, in Thailand and I'm, I got shocked, uh, so bad. Uh, I was at a hospital and they clocked it at, uh, 177 and then they looked at it again, uh, 30 minutes later it was 195. So the doctor comes in and gives me this speech about, you've got a high blood pressure. I said, no, my blood pressure is fine when I'm awake. It's, you know, it's 120. But today I got dizzy from some pill I, I took. And so I, I think at that point they put something in my uh, pills that I take for uh, male testosterone. And so uh, that caused the blood pressure to go up. And they gave me a blood pressure pill and saved my life, but I don't take blood pressure medicine. My normal blood pressure is 120 and 130, somewhere in between those. Yeah, so, that, what, you, um, what, what you're saying uh, is actually something that happens. Uh, you actually can have your drugs drugged. You know, you think you're getting something at a pharmacy when really it's coming directly from whoever is responsible for your for your your experimentation, your torture, your your victimization. Um, uh, your story well, I lived in, in, in the, uh, Very the much sense. part of Bangkok where there aren't any white or, or or black people at all. It's all Thai except for me. And so I found uh, this black Afro-American at the end of my street, you know, one day. And then a couple of weeks later, I got the... Uh, the effects from whatever they, they snuck in my apartment and, and changed one of my capsules and put something in it. That's what I think because there are no Americans in my part of town that I lived in. And there's one at the end of the street and then later on I'm poisoned. So I, that's what I think happened because I recognize an American there. Tell them about well, the experience. It's also too, also the other thing too with these, um, I mean, you can notice the difference, um, but oftentimes with these electronic assaults, the electronics assaults are capable of simulating the effects of drugs now too. So you can actually get a real drug, but you can also be remotely, um, you're being remotely manipulated by a classified technology that's actually simulating the effect of a drug. So that can happen as well. So when they're, when they're not able to slip you something, that's another alternative that, 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 that my research has revealed for sure. And, and I've noticed myself, I've noticed times where I've felt dizzy for no reason and I hadn't taken anything or, or this or the um the sleeplessness um or the excessive body heat um 
the the amount of perspiration that 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 you that, that a person can sweat out in a, in, a, in in a night when you're under heavy attack is unbelievable, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, well, um, uh, my my attack is is mostly on my blood pressure, and uh, you know I talk to my doctors at the VA, and they say, oh. Um, yeah, you can do that while you're sleeping. And I've, I studied medicine and I know you don't create high blood pressure from sleeping. So I talk to people about it and say, this is a crime. Four different police stations have turned me down. Right. The four different places I had to move to to get away from it and I couldn't get away from it. And I fell asleep in a taxi cab in Thailand, and I started getting the effects, the the buzzing in the ears and the dizziness. And then I realized, hey, I failed every metal detector test from uh, Texas to Thailand. I must have something in me. And sure enough, uh, my friend here, Patrick, uh, found uh, some metal in me. Okay, so I'm going to take over for just a second here, and I would like to explain that I'm fairly deeply well, I'm very entrenched in the metal detecting community, and have been a metal detector fanatic for a couple of years now. And so I had Wayne come back to the shop uh, a couple of days later, and I had my little my little pinpointer, it's called the carrot, you know, it's it's like a $130 little metal detector that will pinpoint metal, and I didn't find anything with it, but I had him come back another couple of days later with my with my, my regular metal detector, which is a Technetics T2 Classic, which is an extremely powerful detector, and it, for some reason, wanted to go off on his chest, and you can hit what they call the pinpointer mode, and it was telling me that there was something six to seven inches deep directly into his chest, whether I came for the front or the back, and I don't know whether uh, it was just detecting an excess accumulation of iron in his blood or whatever, but it wanted to go off on that area and so i'm going to hand you back to wayne real quick here so that he can continue his story my goodness michael i'm perturbed by this yeah what do you make of that michael yeah how do you think i feel my god <laughs> i know <laughs> wow yeah um yeah the pe- people don't you know i i talk to the police i say what causes you know high blood pressure when you're sleeping and you have normal blood pressure you know the rest of the day and he right. said, "Oh, you're crazy. We don't, we don't believe you." Or, I, I, I had a signal detector that I found a signal coming in my house, and so I figured that was from the satellites above. And then, uh, told them about the camera. I told the police about. I know. I actually performed it in front of them. I said, "This is a signal coming in to my apartment in in Austin," and they said, "Oh, that's coming from the walls." I wasn't anywhere near the walls. I was in the middle, you know, no, not near the walls or anything. And so I've got nothing, no help at all from police. And this is a crime. Right. But in Thailand, when I told them about it, they investigated it. They went to my apartment, took pictures, and um, they they also uh, looked at the video of my floor because we were under video uh, on my floor. And uh, they're actually investigating in Thailand, but four police stations that uh, that I went to where I live have turned me down. It's really strange why America well, turns me down, but Thailand is investigating it. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. 
Well, I think, I think what happens is, um, that initially not, not everyone's on board with this. Most everyone is on board and, and, and what they know, each person only knows a small piece of the puzzle. So the, the people in Thailand may have been legitimately investigating your crime and then probably were probably spoken to by someone of a higher authority and were either threatened or 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 suggested advised not to continue the de- because uh, of a threat uh, or it'll happen to them uh you know or their family or the, or they'll lose their pension uh you know some kind of that's what usually happens when when you see people quickly flip that's what you call what i call when people flip when when you move into a new house and everybody's you know when you first get there everybody's you know normal everything's normal and then within a week or two the neighbors have all flipped and they're all working for this organization. So, um, I imagine that that's certainly a possibility, uh, of what, what could have happened to you and in, in while you were in Thailand in terms of them, um, terminating, uh, or refusing to, um, process the, the crimes that you, that is an obvious crime. Um, no, no, but, Thailand didn't, didn't, has not stopped the investigating. The, the people that have not done anything for me are in La Mesa, California, um, Orange, uh, Lemon Grove, California, Austin, Texas, and where I live now, Temple, Texas. These are the police stations that refuse to do anything. Thai people are working on the case because they don't like the United States coming over to their country and killing their own citizens or trying to kill them while it was an attempted murder, you know. They're still investigating. It's the four police stations in America that aren't investigating. Oh, okay. Um, it also sounds similar. I don't know if you've been following the news. Um, I don't think we brought it up yet. I don't know if Michael wanted me to bring it up. I was going to... Um, Trying to work in the the diplomats in Cuba and in Uzbekistan and in China, um, which I don't know if go ahead. It's fine. Some of those some of those effects are similar. So I I wanted to, unless you wanted to cover that another time, I I I, I was going to just add that if you've been following the news, um, I'm sure you've seen that the U.S. diplomats in Cuba claimed that they were attacked and tortured by ultrasonic acoustic weapons causing severe headaches, pain, and permanent hearing damage, the FBI and medical services and doctors were quick to respond and seemed quite familiar with the effect of these dangerous covert weapons, yet targeted individuals that are being attacked by what is believed to be identical identical covert weapons are dismissed and declared mentally ill to cover up the truth. So Yeah, that sounds very much like LRAD technology that I was mentioning earlier. Right. And yeah, at, at a high percentage of volume that comes in, I think it's any I believe it was 162 decibels, which is really, really terrible if that it that could actually cause so much permanent damage to one's hearing and one's health. Well, yes, most most targeted individuals that I know um, have the, have their 
have had several of their senses compromised, if not all five of them. Uh, certainly their, their eyesight and their hearing has been compromised, but all five senses are, are definitely affected. Um, at least uh, the, the people, and also too, there is well, there is no there is no good level of being a targeted individual. There are certainly different levels of, of being targeted individuals, and I know that from from talking to um, former um, CIA agent uh, uh, private investigators, and certainly there are some people that are getting. It much worse than others. Some people, it's bad yeah, at any I have my legs swollen three years. It won't go down. I've been shocked for five years with this static yes. electricity, and it causes anything to, that swells up to stay swollen up. So I right. have a finger that's swollen and won't go down too. That and my, my left foot and my left leg. And maybe, I don't know if you get any of the microwave burns. Well, I call the microwave burns. But, no, but no, I, no, mine's static electricity. My hair sticks straight up every morning, so I know it's static electricity. I'm a science teacher, so I, I know what's going on. Wow. Um, well, yeah. Amazing. Well, I will definitely give you Michael's contact, and you could tell him further about this experience. And I want to thank you very much for being a part of the program. Um, any final words before we let you go, caller? Yeah, sure. Hey, I want to just jump in here one last time and say that it's absolutely mind-boggling of the extent that I've gone to try to share Michael uh, uh, uh Bell's story, as well as this gentleman's story here, because I ran into him. We just, we met and we've become friends. And so I've been trying to, I've been deeply entrenched in the metal detecting community for a long time because I bury treasure all over. I'm trying to get a thing together where everybody just starts planting stuff all over the planet, you know, uh, little treasure boxes. But so I'm I'm trying to share his story uh, with the metal detecting community and get any feedback at all. And it's like a metal door slamming, man. Nobody. Because I have a video where I detect his chest and I show the reaction that the metal detector is getting. And I'm asking people, hey, why is my metal detector doing this? And nobody has a single word to say about it. It's like I have become absolutely invisible. Wow. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it really is amazing. And just that, that Michael, I would like if, if you could, if you would go to, um, if you go to YouTube and look up the invisible crime or bit right. shoot and look up the invisible crime, I've, i posted a video of, of when you had your coast to coast thing. I kind of burgled it, you know, and pirated it and, and, and bootlegged it and made my own little video about it. But it's pretty cool, and uh, and I would like for you to watch it. And I've been trying to find out how to get a hold of you so that I could tell you that I did this. But I, I figured that you I, were laying pretty low. I saw one today called the, the Michael Bell story. Is that maybe that yeah. was yours? Yeah, yeah, that 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 was that was mine. Michael, I think it was the Michael Fitcher Bell story, the Michael Bell story. I just saw that today. Um, and yes, and it was the original, my my first, uh, 2013. Interview with um, Roger Tulsis and George Norrie of Coast to Coast. Is that the same one, right? 
Yeah, yeah, that 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 was me. Where it just shows like a video game, you know, and uh, and and uh, I play through Dead Space three, and I've I've done I've done probably three or four of your different videos, and they might they might be in different places or, or under a slightly different name, you know. I, I know that one of them is called the Invisible Crime, and that right. would be the one on BitChute. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're, that we're, that we're getting the word out. I'm trying to, um, it's, it's only one person for me trying to get, uh, the word out, especially to, um, to, to a, a group of people that don't really under, uh, uh, it, it's difficult to convey technology that is beyond most people's ability to comprehend, quite frankly. Right. It, it's, okay. it's, it's mind boggling. Right. Hey, Michael, the most important thing, you know, that I almost just totally forgot, the most important thing is to find this person a connection that can determine if he has the implants and to have them removed. Do you have contact information of that sort for Wayne? And I'm going to well, hand you back over to him for one last time. Well, uh, in my book, I, I describe there's a whole way you have to deal with with the medical community, uh, when you have something like this, um, and, and in the, in my first book, I don't know if you read the, the first book, but I, 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 that's the first problem that the, that the victim is going to encounter is trying to get something removed, even if they have the ultrasound, even if they have the MRI, even if they have the proof, you, you still, only a judge could command uh, a doctor to to remove something, uh, and most of and and um, sadly, um, the, one of the reasons that I, I believe that that targeted individuals are getting are getting targeted um, um, is because of crooked judges. And um, uh, I mean, this crime, which is based in secrecy and deception could not exist without the complicity and acquiescence of the United States government, the medical community, and yes, law right. enforcement. <laughs> it has right. been suggested. The VA won't do a thing to help me. <laughs> it's, it's been suggested, and it's not difficult to perceive and understand that corrupt judges and prosecutors can be bought and paid for to further the agenda of the criminal cabal. And it's one of the ways, the widely recognized ways that people can become target individuals is that they've been wrongfully, illegally placed onto the terror watch list. That's another way of getting someone on the list and to get it paid for by the, by the U.S. taxpayer. So, um, um, and to have a phony FISA warrant issued against a person that allows for surveillance and spying on, on persons of interest. And anyone could, I mean, it's so easy to get on that list, uh, and they can't ignore anyone. And once you've been, and even if you're on the list and you're, you realize that you're not a threat, you're still on the, the suspicion list. So, uh, it's really, uh, that's one of the ways that 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 uh, is believed that people are uh, certainly one of the ways that people can get um, targeted for sure. Yeah, Big Brother is watching. Yes, CIA can listen to anybody they want to. Uh, just watch that movie about uh, Snowden. Tell them what to do. Understood. And I do want to thank you again for calling in. 
Uh, we, we definitely do have to get running here. So final word before we move on. Yes. Um, I just want to know how I can get help, you know, to get these things, out, these metals out of me. Cause Michael, how do we help I'm this sure uh, kind man here? In me. Well, I mean, first right. of all, yeah, I mean, as I describe in, in, in my books, you have to, first of all, you're, you're going to have to get medical evidence and proof, which shouldn't be too, too hard to, uh, maybe you even can see a scar where, where this object went in or it's possible that it was injected and it's migrated from the, from the location that it was actually implanted. So, but usually, usually, um, with, with these, there's several different implants. There's so many different types. Um, some of them are, are believed to be so small that they can travel along through the blood system and end up in the brain. Other ones are installed or surgically put in place and will not move. And other ones can be, uh, can be injected and can migrate far from that site. So, um, uh, you ha- you would have to get medical proof, uh, and you would have to get a doctor willing to to remove it. And for me, it, it was very expensive uh, to to write to write both of those books. Cost me, and I don't have a lot of money, but it took me a lifetimes of my lifetime of savings. It cost over seven hundred thousand dollars for me to write those two books, to travel around the world, getting doctors to take pictures and getting things removed. Uh, all of that over seven hundred thousand it cost me. So uh, your best bet That's a lot is, of money. To, is to get is to get medical evidence and you may have to travel to another country to get it removed and that still may not I did may that not guarantee <laughs> I, that's the best I went, I can, I yeah can I went to the Thailand hospital and asked them to remove it and they gave me a long speech that I have high blood pressure and I don't have high blood pressure Right. I can exercise the uh, static electricity off and it goes to 120 so I have a bike that uh I use all the time for exercise, and it just burns the static electricity away, and I become normal again. But right. that's a problem, too, because if you become normal again, then, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. And they won't, they won't help me at the VA hospital. Right. Yeah, it's all, it's all about, it's, uh, it's all about the military money machine, uh, and, and, and the cost and, and, and trying to eliminate the cost and, and, and trying to, to, to not help you. Obviously they're trying to turn their backs on you. It's, it sounds like, um, uh, and, and probably other, um, veterans as well. I'm, I'm sure that they're, you're not the only one. I'm sure that there's many, um, uh, that, 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 yeah, that are suffering this, the same effects. Right yes. Thank this you very right much, by the way. Understood. Thank you very much for calling into the program. I'll give yes. Michael your email and see if he could try to help you further. Um, thank you for calling in, my friend. Thank you, sir. You have a great Thank you. Yes. And, my God, what do you make of that? That was a rather interesting call now, Michael. Yes, uh, uh well, it, it's not, it's, 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 it's interesting, um, but it's, it's, um, uh, very, it's very similar to, 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 to stories that I hear from other targeted individuals. Although no two stories are exactly the same, there are many 
I see many overlapping um, uh, characteristics that are similar, similar certainly to, to from one to another, um, and certainly there are certain things that everyone will share at some point. Um, and um, I mean, there's so many. This there, there's and literally an endless. As I said before, it's a bottomless pit of information. Um, we haven't even talked about the organized stalking the or, the, or the group contract stalking that, that, that they're, that, that, that they're calling it now. We haven't even discussed that. That's one of the principal parts. Um, that's a, that's a, a terrible, um, situation. Uh, if you, if, um, I don't know if you, if you're familiar with the, uh, organized contract stalking or group contract stalking gang stalking gang stalking right it's going by several different words cause stalking community based intimidation and harassment Um, but it's um, it is organized stalking it's, it's a form of terrorism used against an individual and can involve hundreds and even thousands of people in a malicious attempt to reduce the quality of one's life so that they will either have a nervous breakdown, become incarcerated, institutionalized, experience constant mental, emotional, and physical pain, become homeless, and or commit suicide. This is done using well-orchestrated accusations, lies, rumors, bogus investigations, setups, framings, intimidations, covert and overt threats, vandalism, sabotage, torture. Uh, it's, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, what people will go, what, what one group of people can do to destroy one person's life. Um, and then you have, Members of of the group, the, the the targeted individuals are really the small end of the uh, of the experiment. Uh, in terms of, they are the focus of the of this experiment. They are the ones who are being um, they're being experimented on. But also, what the perpetrators what at least the people at the street level, the gang stalking and the people like your neighbors, that that street level of those people are also targeted individuals. They don't realize that. They represent the largest portion of the experiment. The the, the people that are doing the that are participating in the organized stalking um are also they they are they are targeted individuals too. They just don't realize it. They don't realize, uh, and the people, and also too, another thing I wanted to, to if I could quickly, yeah, go uh, ahead. Kind of in so much, but also I did, maybe there's some things you wanted to ask too. I'm sorry, Michael. No, that's fine. There's actually someone calling in through the toll free number. Okay. I'm not sure who it may be, and I'm okay. not quite sure if the line is even working. This is a very new line. So let's take a chance and see who okay. this individual is calling in. Sure. Can, can you hear me, Michael? I can I hear. Oh, caller, are you alive uh, there? Yes, I am. Can you can you hear me clearly? We hear yes. you loud and clear. Go ahead. Okay, sweet. Uh, yeah, I, I missed the first part of the show, but I I caught the part where the gentleman said he spent close to seven hundred thousand dollars basically researching these two books, and I was pretty impressed. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, well, 
spent yeah, a I mean, hell of a lot that, of money. That, but. that involved traveling around the world several times uh, and, and seeing hundreds of doctors and um, talking to thousands of different targeted individuals, uh, moving. Um, now it's been 15 or 16 times in the last um, – since 2001, I've moved at least um, 16 times. So uh, it's it's very it, – it, it, it will drain you. Even if you have money, it will drain you. The more you have, the more it will drain. So it's directly proportional. If you don't have very much, it will drain it just enough to, bear, to have you barely survive. And if you have a lot of money, it will take most of your money so you can barely survive. So it's all proportional. Um, but, um, yes, uh, the the money that I was willing to – because – the thing was, when this first happened to me, I looked. The first thing I did was was scour the internet and and, and go to libraries and look for a book because I knew that something like this was too big that somebody had to know about this. So I kept looking for the book, but the book wasn't there. So I had to write it. I had to create the first book because I'm like, when I got targeted. If I had this book, it would have helped me so much in understanding what, what, what's happened to me, why it's happening to me, what I can do to protect myself, how I can shield myself. You know, I, I looked for that book and it didn't exist. So I said, now I'm going to have to write a book. I'm, I was, I was a screenwriter. I, I, I've, um, I've done, I've won screenwriting contests i've run i I've, I've won several contests in school for writing but i was always a writer for for pleasure but now i i was forced to to evolve into an really an investigative journalist um to to to, to write these two books and to travel so far around the world and set up these appointments with doctors and sometimes getting all the way to a country and having the doctor change his mind or her mind when I got there, you know, assuring me over over the Skype or over phone that they were going to – I'd present them all of my information, all of my my images, all of my ultrasounds, all of my MRIs. They were going to do the – by the time I got there – the group had already gotten to them and said, you know, we don't really want to get involved with this. Some people just plain out said, we don't want to get involved with this. I'm terribly sorry. Really sorry, sir. And literally shut the door on me. I'm very sorry. We just don't. Yet people are terrified. Once they realize the power of this thing, they don't want to have, they, they, they really are, are frightened. Uh, but they don't understand that that being around me isn't going to make them a target. Um, at least that's never happened to, to any of the people in my life. But um, but most of the people that are out there, I believe, um, certainly if you look at the research of private investigator David Lawson, wrote a, wrote a very uh, an amazing book on um, on cause stalking. And he called the organized stalking or the gang stalking bullying on steroids. That's how bad it is. And also, um, one of, one of his quotes was, identify, vilify, nullify, and destroy the target. 
these are the prime objectives of the criminal syndicate. So that they, so rather than just kill someone outright, they can perform experiments on them. They can get retribution for, 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 for what, for something that they've, they, that someone that they feel that they've, uh, stepped on someone's toes and, and now they're being punished. There's a variety of reasons, but, um, the other thing is, is that most of the people, and in my research, as many, now this is, this is the, this is the estimation that gets people the most scared, and it should get them a little scared. Um, and this is my investigations through, through, through my private investigators, through my own personal research and, 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 uh, understanding that it's been estimated, that key word estimated, that as much as a third to as many as 50% of Americans have already been implanted with non-therapeutic, non-consensual RFID biomedical implant technology without their knowledge, permission, or consent. Technology is way ahead of the law. The law has a lot of catching up to do. So, so right now, the way the law is set up is these things are technically allowed to happen through 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 the through the justice system right now. Um, can, I, can I jump in real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I just I, I want to applaud Michael for even having somebody on to talk about this because I don't know how many uh, radio hosts out there would even have a topic like this because this is a, this is the real deal. I've done a lot of research, not what you've done, but according to my research, the root. Where this began, we're going back to Nazi MK Ultra. Would you agree with that? Yes, it, we, it started with pa- uh, Project Paperclip, um, uh, exactly. which 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 was the beginning when at the end of World War II, uh, Operation Paperclip. For the listeners that don't know, is when is the is the moment when um, America the Americans seized all of the Nazi human experimentation programs and all of the scientists connected with them and brought all of their work and all of the scientists over to the United States in in a, a process called Operation Paperclip, which moved into um, a, a further uh, elevation of that was uh, Project MK Ultra, and that was a real CIA mind control project that was exposed and supposedly shut down um, during the 70s, but really um, we believe that it never was shut down, and it's only grown and become stronger with greater capabilities, with greater technology, with greater funding. It's 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 hard to believe. It's really hard to believe. It really is, and we must thank Joseph Mengele for bringing us this sort of creation. It's purely evil, oh, but it still continues to yeah. stay. Right, right. Yeah, yeah ever, ever since uh, he, uh, he, he uh, stopped the, the – the, uh, I think it was Dr. Mengele was – was 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 the one who who stopped the bull in its tracks with the, with the microchip? Isn't that right? If I recall, am I, yeah. Am I thinking am I thinking well, of the right doctor? I don't think you're thinking of the right doctor. Okay, but yes. I know there was, there was there was one doctor um, who 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 did, who did in, in the 60s uh, put a, a microchip in a bull's brain and was able to stand in the, in the middle of the the ring and as the bull charged at him, he pressed the button and the bull stopped dead in its tracks. Every time, 
And so, and that was during the sixties. So, um, uh, that's, um, is that yeah. some gentleman named Jose? Yes. Delgado, I think. Dr. Jose Del, Delgado. Delgado, that's, uh, correct. Confuse the name. Yes. You know, yeah, yes, I've heard of him before. Dr. Yeah. Tingley, yes, was, was the, was the doctor of death in the Nazis, uh, right. much, much further, yeah, much further, uh, in, in higher up. Definitely. Yes. Caller, anything else before we move on here? Oh, no, I just, uh, well, Mengele, Mengele also was the original cloning doctor. I mean, I don't know how many people believe in cloning, but, uh, the sad thing about all this is, uh, I mean, I follow quite a few people on Twitter that are actually tweeting about this today. There, there's people out there right now that are going through exactly, and then can t- say your book again slowly. I want to tweet that out so people that are being, that are suffering at least can have something to grab a hold of. Right. Um, well, I mean, the, the, the both books are written um, not only to inform the world, but to help um, to help uh, tar- all the targeted individuals out there to survive and to to learn all the things that I've learned. I've, I mean, you're not going to find all the information anywhere else all in one place. Uh, I just wish that, that someone had written the books for me and I could get them, uh, but sadly I had to write them and, and go through all these experiments, uh, all these uh, experiences myself. I'll mention, would you like me to mention the books again or no? Yeah, please mention both, both okay. the books. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, thank you for the call. Books again. The first book is The Invisible Crime, subtitle, Illegal microchip implants and microwave technology and their use against humanity. And that website is www.visiblecrime.com. And my second book, the new book, is um, The Invisible Crime Part 2, A Targeted Individual, Synthetic Telepathy, and global criminal biomedical human experimentation and that and that website is www.michaelfbell.com and the books are available through Amazon, Barnes and Noble and wherever fine books are sold. Understood. And uh, thank you very much Michael for being a part of the program. We are coming to a close very soon here, but there's still a few different topics I did want to go through with you. And one of those was just in terms of society and what your perspective is on how things are going, the progression of America and society as we know it today. I personally feel things really changed tremendously after 9-11. The country's foundation quickly Shifted. I, well, I, I I feel that same way too. I I, I believe that I have been under surveillance under some form of surveillance and targeting for probably around thirty years. But it was not until the end of December two thousand one that I became aware. I knew something was wrong, but it wasn't until. December 2001, shortly right after 9/11, that 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 my especially the the group contract stalking started in the building that I lived in. I mean, all my neighbors turned on me. Um, 
uh, everyone was in on it. Everyone was on the pay list. Everyone was on the payroll uh, in my neighborhood. Uh, they were getting, I, I mean, no matter what, nobody would complain about it. I, I was, the first thing that I got was a noise ca- campaign, and everyone in the neighborhood was getting paid to participate in this. So as one person would do one thing, one, another person would, uh, you know, a dog would start barking, a toilet would flush, uh, somebody would light off a firecracker, somebody would turn a radio on, somebody would honk a horn. Uh, I mean, it was all, but it was around the clock, not, very well orchestrated. Um, uh, so that was, that was, um, yeah, and, 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 and that, and, and when, when you're first, when it first hits you, it's usually the, the, it usually starts with the group contracts stalking. You'll start noticing the, the victim will soon start feeling as though people are watching them. They'll, they'll become aware of certain, and they'll become sensitized to certain behavior that is meant to bother them after a while, it will. You you you, you can build up a, a thick skin, but you're still um, – the powers of observation for a target individual are everything. Right. Every, and, and everything the, you have. Right. And one of the things I did want to ask you about was the photographs of your vehicle. Yeah. Definitely tell us about that. Um the the I'm I'm trying to think of, of are you talking about the 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 books the 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 photographs that I have in the in the second book on your website uh, under stalking okay. mm-hmm. yes yes there's there's uh, I'm trying to think of I think there's if I'm going I'm not there right now but I'm just I'm trying to think the pictures there's one picture where there's a, a man standing behind a car that has the trunk open and the, and one of the doors is open and this guy is like pretending to look underneath the car for something that's one of the that's a, that's a classic um organized stalking harassment technique that's done just for that person um and uh then there's another one where there's a really awful banged up multicolored car with different colored wheels and different panels on it and really dinged up and banged up and in terrible shape and that's and that's also called a marker and that you'll when a when a targeted individual comes out of a store a lot of times you'll have one of those cars parked right next to yours to let you know that that they're on top of you and uh, as you're pulling into your parking spot another car will be pulling will be it's called enter exit technique it's one of the techniques i talk about in the in the in the book um but I realize we're running out of time. I, I have to give you the questions again. I, I don't want to take away your time, Michael. Don't. It's okay. No worries. But we definitely are coming to a close here, and we definitely do have to wrap up before the break. But definitely go ahead and plug anything you'd like. Leave us with any final words or thoughts you may have before we let you go, Michael. Well, I, I just wanted to say that um, the – the crime is real. What I've written about is real. Uh, the organized stalking, the electronic harassment, the remotely induced mind control, these are all real technologies that really exist 
certainly some of them have been declassified and are in the, and I included them in my first book in the patented technology section. And although a patent in itself doesn't prove something, there must be a reason why someone would have wanted to have this patent. They wouldn't have just made a patent for something that they didn't have an intention for. So, and a lot of, and, and, and another thing I wanted to say is that a lot of this testing, especially with the biological, uh, with, with the, with the biomedical implants, um, is being done through, they get the funding through being able to do something like, I don't know if you saw, um, two years ago, uh, President Obama was able to shake the hand of a man who was paralyzed in a wheelchair and the man had, had a uh, robotic arm that moved and shook his, he had, he had, he had implants in his brain that connected to his artificial arm that was mounted on his wheelchair and in real time he could shake the president's hand and at the same time he could feel the president's firmness of his handshake and the warmth of the president's handshake in his own fingers as the robotic ones were being touched in real time. And that was two years ago. So you, you can imagine that's oh, something yes. very good that can happen with the technology. The, the qualities, the things that are good, sometimes things, I've had moments of clarity. I don't know if you ever, um, I think it was called, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the NZT48, uh, the, the fictitious drug from the movie Limitless with, um, with Bradley Cooper, that movie. Um, they actually, I've had moments where I've had my memory fogged and been able to forget things, but I've also had the opposite happen to me on upon occasion. And the, the, the clarity and the focus and um, my ability to understand things only this only happened to me this only happens to me briefly when but i'm very aware of it when it happens but you can see the 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 um that's how they get the funding for 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 programs like this by get by by having a man shake the president's hand with a robotic arm but that's not all we can do with that technology. That's the good stuff we can do with it. Definitely. But really, it's all about the control and the depopulation and the bad stuff that we can do with it. It's really basically, as someone just told me recently, and it's been going on for a long time, it's really a battle of evil versus good in this world right now. And that's oh, yes. what this whole crime is. Um, it really comes down to that battle. It really is. This is a spiritual battle, good versus evil. And, of course, the book is The Invisible Crime, Illegal Microchip Implants and Microwave Technology and Their Use Against Humanity. And, of course, my guest was Michael Bell, tremendous guest. And, Michael, I do want to thank you again for being a part of the program. It was a fantastic time. And, of course, your website is invisiblecrime.com. Michael Leave us with one more final thought. Well, uh, I just want to say that um, the most important thing is is that people understand that these crimes are real and that people like me are working very hard at exposing them and, and, and educating the public 
um, to the possibilities of these of these crimes um, is the most thing is the most that each of us can do. Each of us, if each of us does a small part, it really makes a big difference. Um, and I hope that my books are able to not only help targeted individuals out there that are suffering as I especially was in the beginning when I, when this thing blindsided me and I didn't know anything about it. Um, I, I hope that they're able to take the information and, um, and not, not only that, hopefully be able to explain to other people uh, what's happening here. Uh, I mean, most of the time, if I meet someone, they ask me, what do I do? I tell them I'm a writer. What do you write about? And I said, oh, well, you want to really want to know? I said, let me see the, Let me sh- see one of your hands. I said, you see that scar right there? Let me see your other hand. You see that scar right there? That's what I wrote the books about. Amazing. Yep. Michael, yep. again, thank you for being a part of the program. We'll definitely have to touch base again and do a part two of this because this was fascinating. Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Michael. I really enjoyed being on the show, and I enjoyed speaking with the callers and the listeners who, who called in. They were so nice. Uh, um, uh, I hope I'll be invited back sometime. It was really wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me. No doubt. You were a fantastic guest, and I'm sure lots of people out there found you to be just as tremendous. Good night, and take care, my friend. Good night. Thanks, thanks again, Michael. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there he goes. That's Michael Fitzhugh Bell, an incredible guest. I am perplexed by all of it here tonight. Totally fascinating. Once again, folks, stay tuned. We'll be right back with the second guest. Don't go anywhere. In five, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. Again, five, four. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a, I can't do it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. And welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. And joining me live right now is Robert. Robert, are you there? Oh, yeah. How you doing? I'm doing doing fantastic. Of course, this is uh, an amazing honor to have you on the program. Oh, thank you. You know, I have to be honest with you. Initially, I had no idea who you were until you reached out to me. And I looked into who you were and found out, my God. So much of what you say totally resonates with me. Oh, great. Oh, That's yes. great to hear. Yeah, so I'm very curious, how on earth did you even find me? I'm hidden uh, in such a deep, dark uh, corner of the interwebs. I'm very interested, Mr. Bonomo. Uh, yeah, I think I found you through YouTube. I was just on YouTube, and one of your videos popped up. And I was listening, and it sounded like, yeah, I was like, wow, this kind of resonates. So uh, I shot you an email. Amazing. I learned that those who do reach out to me to be on the program, I always find out that they are always some of the best ones. And that includes you, Robert. So much of what you say totally goes hand-to-hand with so much of what we're going to talk about here tonight. And it's just a tremendous honor. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and actually, before we even got on the air here, we were talking, and I told you I was going to go grab a beer and you told me the wife would get upset with you. Is that true? Yeah, because if I start drinking at 7 in the morning, I'm in big trouble, you know? 3 o'clock is rough enough. Are you the alpha <laughs> in the relationship, Robert? Or are you sometimes I'm, the beta? 
You know, I always tell, like, younger guys, just if you want to have a good marriage, just always accept that she's always right. you got to be and the beta. you'll have a really good marriage. Yeah, so you, so you have to be the, the beta male every now and then. <laughs> exactly. They're always right Understood. anyway. Even if they're wrong, they're right. So exactly. Just accept. It's a double-edged sword. <laughs> it truly is. So, Robert, I'm so glad, again, I'm so glad you can be here. Um, let's definitely go back into your roots, um, how sure. basically you came down to this path. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, on, I would say on the political side of things, what really got me was living abroad. So I lived in, actually lived in Russia for a long time, about five years. I was teaching English there and living in the old Soviet Union turned my politics completely around. I went kind of from a left wing New Yorker, New York Times type NPR guy to just a hardcore libertarian. That's <laughs> like government is not the answer. Um, and I would, yeah. And then on the spiritual side, that was something that, you know, I think was, was more gradual. I was raised in a very kind of Catholic, very conservative sort of upbringing. And little by little, I think in, in my story, I think it's so similar to many people. I completely left religion, went on my own way. And then gradually I came back, but through Eastern type thought. Understood. And how old, how old were you? Yeah. How old were you, Robert, when you turned your back to Christ? Oh, I would say probably my early twenties, early twenties. That's when it all just went out the window and you raised a little bit of hell, that sort of life. Exactly. exactly. I understand. And then then I went to the Eastern stuff. Ah. And, and then I always tell the story there. I was, I was in Madrid. I was doing this Zen meditation and I was looking at the wall and there was a French. She was the master of sort of the, of where we were uh, meditating and she was bald and she was speaking in Japanese. I remember thinking she was a great woman, but I remember thinking this is just too complicated. (laughs) So I wound up kind of coming back to my own tradition. You know what I mean? No, I hear you. And you mentioned Russia and I looked further and you mentioned this very interesting part of Russia, uh, Kamchatka. What what were you doing there? Yeah, I was, I was just teaching English. That's all you were Um, doing. That's a very interesting location. Lots of, um, Lots of interesting individuals go out there. Oh, yeah. It's a very, very interesting place. How long have you been KGB, Robert? Excuse me? I said, how long have you been KGB? (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you asked. They changed my card to FSB now. (laughs) Ah, Understood. Understood. But, yeah, that's very fascinating. So you were able to travel around the country at your own leisure. Um. Well, there actually are some areas where you can, but Kamchatka used to be a closed area. So in Soviet times, nobody, not even Russians could travel there. You needed a special pass. But now it's basically, oh, it's, there's a lot of Americans go there for fi- The fishing there is fantastic. If you're into fishing, the fishing is fantastic. And the hunting. A lot of hunters go there. The only reason. There's actually a lot of tourism there. The only reason I know of that location is because I had just randomly read about some Russian uh, mixed martial arts fighter. Who was training around that area? So that's that's really the only reason why I know of it. Of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those Russians are something else. They basically go run in their underwear when it's <laughs> freezing uh, temperature outside. Well, actually, where I lived, there's an old religious custom. I, I can't. I'm forgetting the date, but it's somewhere around the 20 something of January. So you can imagine minus 20 Celsius, which is what times two. You know, it's like basically like minus 10 degrees Fahrenheit. They Oof. they get in their bathing suit and they cut a hole in the ice 
There's a priest there. He mm-hmm. blesses them, and they jump through into the water. I've seen it. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I, I don't know how anyone could do that. I mean, I would die. I'm out here in the desert, so everything is basically cold to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would die out there. Yeah, it's it's a different world. I actually it did it once. And, uh, did you? It's pretty, it's pretty terrifying. You got some balls on you there. Well, I almost, I almost lost them, I tell you, when you jump into that water. (laughs) (laughs) Understood, understood. And my goodness, so how exactly did you stumble upon the tarot? Yeah, I, I, initially just casually. I bought some cards and I was kind of playing around with them and I didn't really understand them. I write novels. So one of my novels, I used the major arcana as a model for each chapter. So each chapter sort of took the theme of each card. And that's how I kind of got really into them. That's how I got deep down into them. Understood, understood. Yeah, that's some uh, something that I don't personally have spent so much time into, but I am open-minded, and I'm sure. always very curious how one really did get involved into all of this. And it's just from a psychological perspective that I, I have, I always really like to know about the person I'm talking to and where they're coming from and how they interpret things. Sure. Yeah, it's very interesting, and you talk a lot about archetypes, and that's something that really does resonate with me. I break down a lot of society in that uh, aspect of Jung's work. Yeah, for me, Jung has been an influence on me since I was a teenager. Same um, here, yes. And it's, he, and it's interesting because when you begin Jung, when you, when you get into to him, his work when you're younger, the initial work is easy to understand, but the later books, I didn't understand those later books until I was in my 40s. I mean, it can get very complicated. But You could get it, lost completely oh yeah. in his work, and I know lots of people who have. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And what's interesting is if you really go deep enough into Jung, you see how Jung is really a mystic more than he is a psychologist. Big time. And he's profoundly Christian. Yeah, that's one and thing. I, I did. Not, maybe not in a traditional way, but he, yeah. I mean, his his connection to, to Christ is very powerful. That's one thing I did forget to ask you, really, is about mom and dad. Oh, sure. And how they, you know, how basically they raised you entirely different than how you came, I, I would have to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but things evolve. So I... I I see a lot of younger people today, especially in the world kind of that we move in, you know, of uh, YouTube and things, that didn't have a real religious grounding. Um, and I think when you have that religious grounding when you're young, what happens is you evolve, but you kind of wind up coming back to it, but with a little bit of a different perspective. So I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure I went so off the reservation in a sense. I just I kind of came back a little bit different, maybe. I see. So mom and dad were definitely religious then. Def- mother. Definitely. Mother, rather. And this was definitely something that was a part of your childhood, correct? That she forced oh, you? I can't, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, I came from a very uh, okay. you know, traditional Catholic background. I mean, I mean, going to mass was something that you didn't like. You didn't question. <laughs> you got in the car and you went. Mm. Right, right. Yeah, so... This entire time when you were there, did you feel like you belonged there, or did you feel like something was perhaps missing? You mean in my Catholic upbringing? Correct. Well, you know, my mother is Irish Catholic, 
So when you're raised Irish Catholic, it's it's also sort of an ethnic connection. So it connects you to to, to history, your ethnic history, your grandparents, your great grandparents. So it has more. It's it's more than just religion. Um, it's it's a little bit more your identity. So yeah, I always I always felt connected. I think for a lot of for a lot of those reasons. I see. Yeah, that that does make sense. And then later on, you branched off on your own, and that's when you discovered this other sort of side of religion and knowledge and all the other stuff, correct? Yeah, and, and that's why I, I like to use the word esoteric, because you can look at, the, I mean, the religion on the two sides, the exoteric and the esoteric, and what underlies sort of the out, how, how can I say this, sort of the dogma, the general accepted dog, mainstream dogma of religion, under that there's another way of thinking. And to understand the esoteric, what underlies it, then you see how the two merge. So yeah, I went, I went kind of under it. I think basically everything I say in this film, there's really nothing that, if you really look at it carefully, goes against general Christian dogma. It's just a different perspective on it. Yes, and of course you are referring to the documentary that you released, The 21 Faces of God, which can be found on YouTube, correct? Absolutely. Just go to YouTube, The 21 Faces of God, and it will be there. And how how long did that take for you to put together? It seems like you really put lots of time and effort into this project. More than two years. And and when I mean more than two years, that's like two years working every day, a couple hours. So it was a lot of work. Yeah, I got that sort of impression that this was something that you really spent a tremendous amount of time with. And and I really feel it was almost like a culmination of a lifetime of learning and studying and all of my interests. And I really put it all together in a way that, you know, I mean, it's not perfect, but I'm satisfied. And I'm not I'm not easily satisfied with my work, so I, I feel good about it. I feel like I uh, I squared it up. Yeah, I think you did a very great job breaking things down and explaining it in a way that I would definitely understand it much better than um, someone else, basically, that comes across the material. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I did want to mention was uh, your website. You definitely have a lot of good material in there, one dating back way back to uh, 2015 about zombies. Actually, I thought that yeah. was really interesting, and one of the reasons why – I'm bringing it up is I usually play one of the theme songs from the return of the living dead. Usually, oh, when I, okay. usually yeah, uh-huh. usually when I come back from the break and once I saw that you had wrote about all of that, I thought, wow, that I can't just let that go, especially since it's almost Halloween. Yeah. Um, I love the zombie meme and I, I think it really means something. It's a reflection of something that's going on in our society and, and, you know, the, the whole concept of consuming but never being filled. Right. And you can look at that on just the pure consumer level. No, we buy and we, we buy. But if you think about it on the cultural level, most of the culture that we consume, it, it just doesn't stick. It doesn't fill us. And so we just need more and more and more. And that that part of it, I think, is crucial. We have a real problem with our culture right now. And we're, we've become, we've become cultural zombies. I'm so glad you say that because definitely today society is 
a pill addicted nation, everyone is under yeah. some sort of anti-anxiety medication or an upper like Ritalin, synthetic meth. Yeah. And for Absolutely. all, for all intents and purposes, we must thank the Germans for that. <laughs> they love their speed. <laughs> yeah. The German, the, the, the Wehrmacht used a lot of speed, didn't they, in the Second World War? Wasn't that something no, that yeah. they used? No doubt. No doubt. The yeah. Germans were very much into it, but the Germans definitely have lots of great creations. Uh, they have good engineers out there, the Germans. Top, top talent, in my opinion. And I think the best musicians ever. I love German music. Well, lots of them are very good. Plenty of them have uh, really excellent orchestras, especially uh, the Sweden area. I'm not sure if you are into that sort of thing, but I kind of found myself later on in life really loving that sort of thing. It's very unusual. I'm perturbed by my own uh, interests in certain songs and music, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and for me, in the film, I use a lot of Baroque music. And uh, <laughs> the older I get, right, the harder... You know, I, I, this is one thing I've thought about a lot. If you listen to the, the type of music that most people listen to, and the fact that they listen to it all day, I'm not convinced that it's a very good idea to listen to music seven or eight hours a day. Maybe it's like not. drinking seven or eight hours a day. You know, Definitely. music should be, you know, something that that you you consume in a careful way. And I think that we've lost that. I, I just I just think there's something unhealthy. Well, about the course. influence that music is having on our society. I agree with you 100%. Definitely music is a tool. Uh, it could definitely be weaponized. It, it's definitely something that could definitely do things that and people like me or you could never dream of doing. That's the kind of influence certain musicians definitely do have on society. But furthermore, uh, going back to the whole zombie angle, Mm-hmm. It is very strange to know that uh, society today is so entranced with with this sort of uh, sort of type of interest in, in zombies and stories about murders and crime. Even mm-hmm. like the the top podcasts out there are about crime and murders right. and that sort of thing. What does that say about society? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a fascinating question. I think, and you know what, another weird place you see it is, for example, in MMA fighting. Um, because I love, I mean, I love boxing. So do I, I was watching that, I was watching that fight tonight, which was a really interesting fight. But, um, the, the fact that we're so obsessed with just, I don't find boxing violent, but Neither do really I. I don't. I think a good fight is not a violent fight, but not at all. some of this MMA stuff, I find it, you know, I, I cringe. And I, I think what's happened is we've lost connection well, with, well, hold the, on. with our shadows. Well, hold on. Before you go, oh, the shadow, yeah, that's interesting that you say that. But going back to mixed martial arts, what exactly is it that you don't like? I'm someone who has been a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner for over 10 years, and I grew up boxing and basically training to fight my entire life until I really hurt my knee. And I never really mm-hmm. got to fully go in and do that sort of thing, and that's still an interest of mine. And I would love to actually get in there and, and do a smoker or two. But go ahead and tell me exactly what is it that has you perplexed about mixed martial arts and what you dislike. Yeah, what what I dislike, and 
I, some other people my age have have talked about this. because for a long time I didn't have a TV, so understood. I've always I've always liked boxing, and then all of a sudden I started watching. When I see a guy on the ground and just get have been pummeled, I, I just think that there's something. I think there's something that's just not right about that. Oh, okay. You know, you don't like that part. You know what I mean? Like like for example, watching jujitsu. That's fascinating, and I, that to me doesn't seem at all violent. It, it just seems extremely technical. You know, I mean, it's something I don't understand that well, but when I watch it, I'm, I'm amazed at when how you, technical. That was the key word you just used, technical, and that's what you get with mixed martial arts. You have multiple disciplines to learn and try to impose your will on your opponent, and different fighters possess different problems for their opponent. Sometimes the fighter is better standing than he is on the ground, and vice versa. So it's a bit of a chess game, but I do understand that perhaps some of the rules, especially on the ground, could be a, a little violent. I, I'm, I don't like some of the things like elbows on the ground because, you know, if you elbow someone in the head, you definitely open up, even if it's a small cut, it, it's a cut that really bleeds a lot, especially anywhere near the top of the forehead. It, it just pours, it just pours down crimson mask uh, style. And right. yeah, you don't really want to see that. And I understand that in some, uh, mixed martial arts, uh, Federations out there, lower, lower, uh, leagues out there. Some of them don't allow the elbow. So yeah, I, I definitely understand how some rules could definitely have that sort of effect on someone that doesn't necessarily watch or has uh, an opinion that would be of, of yours. So I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Did you watch the McGregor sense. fight the other night? Of course. And did you, did you see how that, that, that spilled over at the end? It really did. That was, uh, some, that was tremendous. That was something not. That was expected. really unfortunate, I thought. <laughs> because really that was, was. A, that was a fascinating fight. I loved that fight. It I was mean, a great and that fight. seemed to me very technical. You know, I mean, it was, I was just, I don't understand the, 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 the on the ground stuff so much, but it was fascinating the strategy of it. I didn't see that as a violent fight. Yeah, but, I saw a wrestler really impose their will, and any time he let his opponent get a little bit of air, he just drug him back down and made him work uh, even more. And for those that don't know, uh, carrying someone's body on top of you is not very pleasing. You get very tired, especially if someone's pressuring you against uh, the cage there. Uh, for those that never even practiced how to stop a takedown, it, it's it, it takes a lot of energy. And lots of, lots of individuals out there have never been in a fight themselves. So I, I, lots of times I listen to people talk about these sort of things and they just, that, that concept really goes over their head. How much energy is involved in skill. And it, it is tremendous though. But I'm, I, I am glad that you do watch some of that and are a fan of the sweet science as well. You would probably be more of a fan of kickboxing. Yeah, um, actually, I haven't watched so much of it, but I probably should. But, but like you said, on that in that McGregor fight, it was so fascinating how he was able to completely stop McGregor and the the skill he had. I mean, that guy is a genius. I mean, what he did afterwards was reprehensible, but during the fight, guy's a genius. I mean, he's a he's a brilliant fighter. I think. Agreed, very talented, and again, that makes me definitely think a little bit more about society. And how many of us are just naturally violent. That's something that we do have. We do naturally have anger. Oh, yeah. And do you still have anger, Robert? 
Oh my God, yes. All Are you a very angry guy? I would say, I would say yes. Um, but it's part of me. And that's what you, before you asked, why do we have so much violence on, for example, on television sure. or on, uh, and I think you have to come to terms with the, your, the inner violent side of ourselves. Man, We're all violent. Man is wolf to man, and I say that all the time. I believe yeah. that's just something that is natural within man. We definitely still are wolf to uh, man itself. We are very violent. And even if you want to go back to the biblical type narrative, the angels did bring us war and how to use it, use Weapons of war. Absolutely, and I think the key is not saying, "Oh, I'm, a, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm a nonviolent person." The key is, you know, finding the limits because there are moments in life when you might have to use violence. Absolutely, you might have to defend yourself, especially now when society definitely is violent. Every time I right. listen to different guests out there talk about peace and all this sort of stuff, I, I just think, have you not really dealt with some of the problems in the real world? People are very violent, they're nasty, yeah. they're extreme, especially today. I'm seeing all sorts of uh, nasty and vile type sort of uh, archetypes out there, Robert, and I know you see them too. We, we have them plastered all over the media. Absolutely, because what, what what's, I think what's happened is the people who create our culture have nothing to do with, for example, like you and I, I'm sure we have some things in common and some things not in common. But one thing we do have in common is I think we both recognize that there's a spiritual side to life. We're both aware. You know, we we both recognize, maybe we've come through different paths, but we can we can meet each other and we can recognize that. But the people who run our culture are pure materialists. So it's just pure materialism. There's There's nothing transcendent in their message. And that's what's happening. When you have those people running your culture, what do you get? You get the culture we have now. I mean, look back, at, for example, in a medieval Europe. Was there violence? God knows there was tons of violence. Plenty. But everyone, everybody accepted that there was a transcendent part to life and that you're going to die. Hopefully you won't die violently, but if you do, it's not the end of the world, literally. <laughs> but now we have violence and it's, it truly is meaningless because it's okay. We kill this guy and we think he's done. There's no, there's no acceptance of something beyond just our physical bodies and our pleasures and, and money and these sorts of things. Very true. And that's something that society really does lack today. The pursuit of happiness is a concept of yesteryear. No one really talks about that sort of thing because Looking at society now, there there is no happiness. The American dream is a bit of a sham. You could agree or disagree with me, but I truly believe that is a fact in the 21st century, Robert. And that goes back to what we were talking about with the zombies. Because Amen. Yes. It all, it all comes full circle, you really. Can't, <laughs> exactly. It does, because, you know, you can't live on bread alone. You need something Word. else. And yes. we're not getting that, that thing, the, what really fills us. What satiates us, we're not getting any of it. It's like all potatoes and no meat. And, 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 and what happens is people are constantly hungry for something. What they're hungry for is a spiritual life. Yeah, that's another getting. thing. Yeah, that's another thing I, I always observe myself when certain individuals are attracted to some of these things that we're talking about. Uh, some people are into the tarot. Some people want, they basically want, a sense of belonging is, is what I see in individuals. 
And that's when it becomes dangerous, however, when you want to get involved, you want to conform into a certain mindset, a certain group. And Mm -hmm. that's when I think the individual and their own free thinking, free mentality is something that is just so bastardized, especially now. You're, you're not allowed to be an individual. You have to go with the herd mentality. And it's just so strange to see. That's when the identity politics gets involved. And, right. and another thing I do have to admit to you that I'm not affiliated to any political party. I am bipartisan. I will definitely attack either side ruthlessly because I, I have no personal opinion on it. I'm someone who is not allowed to vote. Anytime I tried, my vote would come back saying there was an issue with my address, which was not the case because it was looked over multiple times. So I take that as a sign from the universe that perhaps I'm not supposed to be voting. And that's (laughs) fine because I really don't support any party. First of all, anyone who believes in a politician uh, completely, you might as well believe every lawyer there is out there in the state of New York. <laughs> Let's just be real. Let's be honest here. You know, that is that is so true, because if we look at the political landscape today. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. You know, it, like, do I think there are certain things that, for example, Trump has done just by his presence that I like? Sure. Of course, of course. Of course. But if you believe and I, I know I don't want to get people angry, but you, this man is a New York real estate you know, guy who's made, who's just as slimy as they come. And I agree. But that's, does that, does that mean that he can't do some things that we all enjoy and we all get a, get a laugh out of? Of course, but please, you know, don't fall behind him as some sort of savior. And God knows on the other side, <laughs> if you believe those people, oh God. they're just as bad. They are. Yes. So you've got to, you've got to, I, I tell people, you know, I'm a Giants fan, a San Francisco Giants fan. Okay. And I hate the Dodgers. That's all right. But, Without the Dodgers, there's no Giants. I need the Dodgers. And when the game's over, I can have a beer with a Dodger fan and it's fine. So look, even if you're in, even in politics, if you kind of tend toward one side, that's okay. But just remember, it's a game. Exactly, and exactly. And that's, that's one thing I do have to try to put an emphasis on is you can have an opinion, but don't let your opinion have you. All right. Don't you, don't you think that's so true? Absolutely, absolutely, because you can have an opinion, but if that opinion takes you over, it becomes dogma, personal dogma, then you're, you're in a box and you can't get out of the box because your identity is connected to that dogma. Correct. That's confirmation biasness. We see that time and time again. And another thing I did want to ask you, uh, about Trump is the entire nepotism angle that I've been hearing lots about. Personally, I'm not much of a fan of Kushner nor Ivanka. I'm not quite sure where you stand with these individuals, but nepotism is something that I frown upon. Oh, yeah. I mean, that just, just take a look at Kushner's background, Trump's background and where they come from. I mean, I lived in New York. Right. I worked in advertising. I lived in New York. I've, I've not, I've met, well, actually I worked on one of Donald Trump's campaigns. Oh, really? Remember he, yeah. Do you remember that campaign? He had that, uh, Investor, I can't remember what it was, but it was some kind of school where you became some master investor. I worked on that campaign. 
I never met him, but we worked with their with their company. And if this was just the slimiest campaign you could imagine, <laughs> right. let's just milk people for thousands of dollars for nothing. So I mean, that's what this guy does. I mean, he's he's a New York businessman. Oh, no doubt, no doubt about it. And where exactly do you stand with President Donald J. Trump as of today, here in 2018? Of course, I definitely want to understand where you're coming from. So go ahead and tell me some of the things you dislike about him, and I'll do the same. Ah, that I dislike about him. Well, one one thing I I really dislike about him is just the vulgarity. I mean. When I was a kid, you know, senators and presidents, there was a certain kind of decorum and things. I, I still think that that's important. And that just the, just the incredible vulgarity of, of this guy, I don't think is, is positive for our society. Um, the other things I'm not really crazy about are a lot of his foreign policy. Understood, I mean, when yes. he ran, I liked some of the things he said about foreign policy and I thought he would come in and really bring a little bit more of a libertarian type. I mean, Full disclosure, I'm kind of a Ron Paul guy. I loved Ron Paul, and uh, I respected him. And I thought that Trump would at least try and get us out of some of these conflicts, and it looks like he's just getting us deeper. Right, and I agree with you on that. One of the things that I don't like about Donald J. Trump is his affiliation at one time with, of course, Jeffrey Epstein, convicted pedophile. That's something <laughs> oh God, that, yeah. you know, birds of a feather – um, I, I don't really like to bring that up, but it is something that plagues my mind. It's something that I, I can't really escape from. My mind instantly goes back to him and goes back to Bill Clinton and Hillary and, of course, Mina Arkansas. Uh, lots yeah. of individuals out there don't even talk about that. And the, the cocaine issue, the, the oh war on God, drugs, yeah. we, we don't really discuss anymore about these issues that I believe are very important. Our government still today, they are the biggest traffickers of children and cocaine. Oh, sure. And heroin. And, and, and murder and violence. And murder, yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, if you look at how many people the United States government has killed in the last 10 years, and it doesn't matter that Obama's president or Bush's president. It doesn't matter. This guy, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's no difference. Nope. No. They're all the same. They all play for the same team and they're all cut from the same cloth. Unfortunately, they're, uh, well, they are individuals who, in my opinion, are corrupt, no matter if it's a Democrat or a Republican. They're, you can bet for sure that they are crooked. That is just the sad fact. No one's hands are clean in the political realm. That's just an issue that you have to get over and accept that there is blood on every side of the coin. Unfortunately, that's just life. Yeah, I mean, and and the real boogeyman is not Al Qaeda or ISIS or Russia or not China. At all. The real boogeyman no. is our own government. Our own people. It's the biggest mafia that was ever created. And if people just woke up to that and they said, you know what, why am I why am I going to pay protection money to our, uh, the biggest racket in the world? And on top of it, they let them make money. They hold, let them just out of air create money, loan it to us, and we pay it back with interest. The understood. American people. Hold on one <laughs> moment there, Robert. There is a caller on the line. Let's bring them in. Caller, are you alive and well out there? What's going on? Yes. Hello, Michael. And, uh, oh, crap. Robert. I lost the name. Robert. Robert. <laughs> of course. Okay. I knew that. I was kidding. Uh, this is, uh, Lady X, okay? Lady X, okay. go ahead. Yeah. Uh, not as an X-Files, but anyway, um, 
I want to throw in um, a little interjection for your consideration. Go ahead. You can always Um, agree or disagree with either me or Robert. That's fine. It's it's perfectly normal. I do both, and I think that's human nature. We we do that. Um, Trump did not have to run in the first place. Uh, He was getting ready to retire. And he had a, a great retirement ahead of us, and it ahead of him. And instead, he decided to run because he saw the country was in huge trouble. And if Hillary was elected, it would be a done deal. It's over. <laughs> and I agree with you 100%. Definitely, Hillary was more of uh, more of the evil selection that we were given, in well, my opinion. The- it was more than that. It was part of the plan, and you know about that, but I don't want to get into that. Go ahead, because yes. Because that would take too much time. Yeah, anyway, um, he jumped in there because, one, running America is a business. And, yes, he is a hard-nosed businessman, and that's why he has been so successful. And that's why he's been so successful pulling America out of a shithole and putting it back on top where it belongs. Almost every in the nation looks to America to help it financially in every other way. And America was getting to the point where it not only could not help, but became one of the helpless, was becoming a third world nation. Trump stopped that from happening and put us back where we can help other nations. Another thing, when he ran, he ran on his own dime. He did not take uh, lobby money. He's not beholding to anyone. He is doing what he is doing for him, well, for America and himself as an American. And he always counts himself among Americans. You know, I'll give you something so, positive yeah. here really quickly. Um, one thing that I do agree with is the whole non-open border type thing. I definitely live out here in Southern California, and my Mm -hmm. opinion on this is not very popular with the individuals and citizens out here where I'm at. They are... Okay, I was born and raised in Southern California. Yeah, they're very anti... Well, especially out here, I'm in a border town. I don't live too far from the Mexican border, so lots of individuals... You're south of San Diego and Coronado. You're down there in... um, I'm way out here. Yes. So automatically people assume what my political ideology would be just by appearance alone. And that is once... Well, that's when I get into these conversations with people and they get very angry with me because of this issue. I definitely don't believe in that sort of notion of an open border type scenario, especially with what comes across... The border. Okay, what I see other it all country time. in the world? What other country in the world has open, just come and do as you please, uh, other than the EU, and which has been fairly recently within our history? But to finish my Not, thought, yeah. But to finish my thought really quickly, I, I was getting at that lots of people do get very upset once I do reveal that sort of thing. But you have to understand that. And well, this is what I tell them. Uh, you have to understand that. This is a president that wants to, in my, well, in my belief, he does want to help the country. And the way I see it, we definitely have enough immigrants in the country. And I just think we should probably take care of the people that are already here legally. 
Instead exactly. Of, instead of worrying about those that come from the outside. And a lot of people do get very angry with me on that. But I tell them that these are just, in my opinion, facts. And that you can't always go with how you personally feel about certain things. Okay, I'm with you on that 100% as far as the borders go. Robert, are you I'm on board here with that with that notion, or am with, I wrong to think with, that? With controlled yeah, borders? Uh, hold on, stop. Yeah, Robert, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I'd be 100% on board with that. And if we're going to have immigration, I mean, I think a lot of people think that if a person gets to this country, it's such a wonderful, fabulous thing for them. And you know, but this is this is if you let people into this country and they can find a job, what do they do? They call home and they bring other people here to try and make some money. But you know their lives they aren't fantastic the money either, right? And and their lives aren't so fan. There's this big fantasy that allowing immigrants in is good for them and good for us, and that's pure fantasy. Mm-mm. If we had real borders, and every year we said, okay, we need so many workers, give them. You know, temporary six-month, one-year visas for people who are skilled, who have background checks. That's fine. But controlled. You can't – I mean, why do we pay taxes? Exactly. I mean, we might as well if, – if we say no borders, fine, no income tax. How about that? <laughs> I no. just, why the heck am I paying you taxes? Just like I – no, right, right. Robert, I'm with you 100%. I am totally yeah. – I have your back on the border situation. Yeah, no I mean, Thank God. I mean, definitely like I told Katie Hopkins when I talked to her on the program, I said the United States will end up like the UK if the way yeah. we keep progressing in America continues. We definitely see this war on masculinity is something that I always talk about. And I, I definitely believe it's something that's true. There is a war against men in this country and there is a, a just a, clear and present agenda that's going on, especially in popular culture, mainstream media and movies. It's just all really a sham, in my opinion. I'm not sure if you believe that Lady X over there. Wait, we we switched subjects. I I was thinking a thought about Trump, and then we went to borders, and now, hey, men are fine. I love men. They're cool. (laughs) Understood. But that's not exactly what we see through the media. Definitely there is a war on men. Robert, I'm not sure well, if you see that yourself, but I, the I media definitely sucks. see this. The media does suck. <laughs> that is true. They definitely well, see it, 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 What's fascinating me, is, you know, I was just going to say just one thing, that I used to work in advertising. So when I look at ads, it's fascinating. White males in advertising are always stupid. Now, how can how could that be? You know, I mean, so it's, it's, it's I mean, amazing these memes that they try and dump on us. It, it's 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 astonishing. I I find it astonishing. What was that? That we allow this. Can so, I finish my yeah, my, my thought on? Yes, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, all I was saying, Trump. Yes, he is a hard nosed businessman. He's had to make some readjustments in his life in his presidency, and he's doing it. But he's doing it for the country. But being the hard-nosed businessman, all of a sudden, no one's taking a shit on America anymore. And when he says something, he is listened to, to our advantage. Yeah, some of the stuff that he wants to do, I'm just mm, not too much. But has there ever been a president that everyone has been in total agreement with? No, no. of course not. That's, no, that's course, no, exactly. But he is a hell of a lot better than the alternative. 
When we got Trump as a president, we dodged a bullet, a big, bad bullet that would have killed us. I don't know America. if it would have. I mean, as America. I'm not sure if it would have killed us. Hillary. I was not sure if it would have killed us, but definitely anything would have been way better than Hillary Clinton, in my opinion. Exactly. And just being the businessman he is, he's tough. He said so from the get-go. He said people on the staff are not angels. But they get the job done. And right now, going through the mess that has been slowly but surely taking America apart at the seams, strand by strand, we need someone who has got the balls to get up there and do what needs to be done, whether he is liked about it or not, whether whether the media recognizes it or, or slanders him for it. Understood. But he's what he's what we need right now. You're probably fix right on a that. Big problem, and then we have uh, 2020, 2024. I'd love to see Trey Gowdy get up there in 24, go for president. He probably won't, but he would be a hell of a president if he did. But that's all I'm saying. Yes, Trump. And I'd like to see him as Attorney General. I think Trey Gowdy would make an excellent Attorney General. Yes. Yes, he would. Uh, I'd like to see him on the Supreme Court. But at any yeah. rate, uh, yeah, not everybody likes Trump. Uh, not a lot of people like the way he's doing things, but he's doing what needs to be done right now because of the situation. It stinks, but yeah. it's working. And Let's if we're so. going to stay together as America, it's what we need. And and I'm sorry, I got I've I've never been this passionate on Mike's show before. Ask him. My goodness. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I I did want to get into this uh, subject when I said the war on men does exist. Uh, An an example of that would be when Kanye West was exactly talking to Donald J. Trump. He expressed that in the household of the Kardashians, there was no male spirit it was just a very feminine energy and that's what i'm talking about he was attracted to the alpha male the alpha male personality i'm sorry i have to mute you there the alpha male personality is something that kanye west was attracted to and that's something that i truly believe is just a simple fact he i if, if i recall correctly he didn't grow up with a father and I think that's something he might have said. I'm not quite sure, but I, I can understand where he's coming from. And he was attracted to that authoritarian, uh, alpha male type energy that he was seeing in Donald J. Trump. Yeah. I'm not sure if you agree oh, with that, Star, I'm, do you? I've, I'm sorry, Mike. I missed that, so I, I don't have a foundation to... My goodness. To, uh, By the way, is there anything else you want to ask Robert before we move on here? No, I'm going to let you go because I probably took too much time already. But I just, I just wanted to throw in a balance point. Is all yes, a lot of the stuff he's doing, people are going, oh my god, but it's working. If you look at us, if you look at our economy, if you look at everything that has gone down the shitter, all of a sudden it's out, it's cleaned off, and it's working. That's all I want to say. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I am for Trump. Uh, and he's, as far as I'm concerned, he is doing the best job for the sake of America. He's, I don't, he's not doing it for himself. He is doing it for himself as an American with all Americans. 
okay, as an American. And it's like America first. Understood. And we need that right now because everybody looks to America to pull their chestnuts out of the fire. And it's time to say, well, we'll, we'll give you some gloves, but you got to pull out your own chestnuts is what he's saying. Understood. Thank you for the call. Okay. Thank right. you, Mike. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. And there she goes. An excellent call. And, yes, I'm sure you saw the fiasco in the media with Kanye West, I'm sure, Robert. Oh, it was fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating. It really is, and that's something that I talk about here on the program about masculinity and the war Mm -hmm. that goes on with it. He is a victim of that, especially in that household where there is no masculinity going on. There's no energy of that type that he experiences. It's all feminine energy. And that takes me back to a time when I was a child and I was playing with the other kids. And it was very apparent to me. I quickly realized that some of the kids, you couldn't really roughhouse with them. You couldn't really say certain things or treat them uh, in any kind of particular manner. They were more feminine than some of the other boys and girls, or rather some of the boys, rather, um, that had both parents. I'm not quite sure if you agree with me on that, but that's just an, uh, an assessment that I witnessed myself. You know, I, I, it's a fascinating topic because I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, a progressive. And we were talking about the, the crisis, the male crisis in this country. Right. And I asked her a question that kind of left her a little bit stumped. I said, imagine if half the girls in the United States were raised only by their fathers. Would that be a problem for these girls? It's a great question. And if you flip it, if you look at it the other way, can you imagine the crisis that American women would have if half of them were raised without contact of a mother? No, that female nurturing to nurture their own femininity. It, it, that's what's happening to men. I mean, I see it in the workplace. You yell at, you know, you get a little angry, and people are, like, trembling and running to, you know, HR. It's that PC-type yeah. perspective that certain individuals do carry, and it's that sort of thing that I dislike. It's, it breeds a very soft type of culture, especially in men. Real men don't behave that way. Men are not supposed to be emotional like a woman. That's the spirit of a woman. And men are are definitely supposed to be men. They're not supposed to overreact. They're supposed to be cool. That is one of the essence of a man and not of a woman. And we definitely see the sort of unbalancedness, especially today in society. It's just something that we do have to talk about, even though I'm sure lots of people don't necessarily agree with it. But you can't really deny that because, for instance, if you have children and you see them playing in Little League, nowadays no one's a winner or a loser. Everyone gets a trophy in the end. There's no score being counted. You see this sort of type of over-nursing of the younger generation coming up. I'm not sure if you see that, but I do have friends with kids and Sometimes they tell me about these sort of things, and I I just can't help but think what exactly is going on in the schooling system today. Yeah, I I mean, I think our education system is is something that just needs to be taken apart completely and start all over again. Because what what it's doing is it's turning us into brainwashed idiots who have no capacity for critical thinking. And you see that, because look at the media. Look what the media tells you, and... 
I mean, if you if you have any capacity for critical thinking, you understand that 90 percent of it is just not true. It's not. And that there's an agenda. Ridiculous, yes, especially this Me Too movement. It's also something that really does have me perturbed. Uh, this notion that all women are telling the truth and no women or no woman out there is lying about any of these experiences. I, I think that is evil to say. And it's very clear to me, for those who are awakened, they will agree with me that there is a war on masculinity. Oh, yeah. It's and if you think about the oh, – I'm sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say with the Kavanaugh hearings when um, – I guess her name was Ford, Dr. Ford or whatever. When, when If you look at her testimony, did you see how nobody criticized her testimony? And, I mean, there were parts of her testimony that I was in shock. Like, for example, when she got the uh, lie detector test. She couldn't remember if she got it on the day of her grandmother's funeral. This was three weeks ago. Now, any anybody <laughs> yes. would say, you know, there's something a little bit, you know, normal reporters would say, you know, that was weird because if you go to your grandmother's funeral, you remember that day. You don't forget if it's three weeks ago or a month ago, you remember that day. So, I mean, there were such major holes in what she said. But because of this political correctness, wherever, Nobody was able to criticize anything she said. Not conservatives, not you're not, not nobody. You're not allowed to. That, that was insane. It really is. It insane. It's it's tremendous to see and how everyone's reacting. Everyone is very PC, and it's all part of the agenda. The liberal left is out of control, in my opinion, especially Maxine Waters. She's just a nasty, vile woman. And speaking about these sort of things, I actually have caught some criticism. People have labeled me as a misogynist, and I, I laugh every time I hear that. And my response all the time for that is, that is ridiculous. Women are the biggest misogynists there are, Robert. Most of them don't even get along with each other. Most of them are jealous of each other and talk behind each other's backs. That sort of thing doesn't necessarily happen too often with men, and it's just these little observations that I do make, it really does bother lots of people on the left. And I'm not even someone who's on any kind of political side. It's just something that I make an observation on, and I call it right down the middle for what it is. Yet I still get sort of this backlash, which I think is completely ridiculous. Well, and I think it does go back to the, the fact that we have suspended critical thinking. Like, are you familiar with Steven Pinker? Oh, the, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. He he said something a few months ago that was fascinating, he, and he got in a lot of trouble with this. And remember, he's very much on the left. He said the reason the alt-right, what he calls the alt-right, is growing is because mainstream media has given up, for example, with the uh, Black Lives Matter. You could not talk about black-on-black crime and black-on-white crime. It was taboo. So a lot of people looked at Black Lives Matter, which is fine. I mean, I get it. But if we can't talk about all of the variables in this, because two of them are taboo, people say, well, this is not a logical conversation. And they move out of the mainstream and move toward more, say, radical um, media outlets. And that's all he said. Do you know how much trouble he got in for that? <laughs> for just saying I mean, right, what can't say is that. absolutely obvious that any idiot knows. And he's got a Ph.D. and he's published all over the place and he's on the left. And he can't even say it. So, Right, and that's the issue that we face here in the 21st century, especially on the Internet, where you can't say certain things 
Uh, Google doesn't let you say certain things. They have no trouble taking down your websites. Uh, same with YouTube. If there's anything that you upload that they find a problem with, they'll take it down right away. Yeah. Censorship is something that we shouldn't practice. It's uh, not a very good type, a uh, good type of practice, I would have to say, especially if you're going to censor everything, because free thought will be gone completely. And and I, I I agree with you in the sense that if if we take off all the filters, if we take off all the filters, let people decide what kind of content is valuable and what kind of content isn't valuable. But if you start putting filters all over the place and taboos and you can't talk about this and you can't talk about that, people are so confused, so confused that they have no idea. Like, I, I don't know where to go to get honest news. I have no idea. I have to just look around and I see, well, I can't talk about this, so there must be something there. And they're trying to tell me this, so it must be the opposite. But it's all you have to play these games to try and fit when your mind games to try and figure out what's actually going on. I agree. It's it's all part of the mind war. You definitely do have to, in my opinion, you do have to go and and observe all the news sources out there and try to discern fact from fiction. In my in my opinion. And by the way, I do have your article up about the seven pillars of the matrix, which is oh, great. all something that ties into what we're talking about now. Yeah, that, that, I, I really like that article. I, I really that was do one too. of those, those days I got up very angry. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I wrote a thousand words. That's a kill shot right there. <laughs> it really is. I, I call it a proverbial kill shot. You definitely went and just destroyed it here on this article. You nailed all sorts of things. And one of the guests that I brought in earlier, I'm not sure if you heard Michael Fitzhugh Bell. Um, did you hear the earlier guest on? Oh, you know, I'm sorry I didn't. That's okay. We, we talked a lot about, uh, government and that sort of thing here and society. I mean, all of these sort of things, they really do tie together and it's very interesting. And again, that article really did hit on a lot of important facets that we currently see today. And this was written back in 2014. Yeah. Amazing. Um, it, it really, and you know that's a that's a good article I think when when you're in that process of kind of waking up to what's controlling you because you know it goes by layers it doesn't all happen in one day and you just peel them back and you keep peeling them back and it goes pretty deep and I think a lot of us who have been on this path now for a while we realize there's always seems to be one more layer to to peel off and most of what is hoisted upon us culturally is simply is simply there to control us. It's a control mechanism, and you know you have you have to be extremely honest with yourself. And like you say, if you start falling into these traps of I'm in this group or I'm on that side or on that side, you're going to miss the boat because you're being controlled. Definitely, and you brought up fascism in the article, and you really did nail it on so many different points. And it's just amazing to see this going way back through time. And it's, it's incredible, really. Yeah. And I think one interesting point about that is something I'd learned living on a farm with sheep. Um, I was there with a the shepherd and the shepherd's like, Hey, just stay here and take care of the sheep. I got to run and get something. So we had, there was about 500 sheep and I, I never forget, I'll never forget this. I looked down and there are 500 sheep looking at me, just staring at me. 
all 500. And I realized they thought I was the alpha sheep, and that's why they were looking at me. And that's how I controlled them. And that's how, in human society, our governments control us. We look at Trump, and we say, oh, he's the alpha male. He's the one who's leading our little group of 40 or 50 people. But we don't live in a society of 40 or 50 people anymore. You know, Trump is the head of a a mafia that controls, you know, about 300 million people. And so when you understand that, that it's a game that's hardwired into us, and these people take advantage of us that way, it's terrifying. Because you look around and everyone's in that game. They look up, oh, yes, yes, here he is. He waved the flag. That means he's the alpha male. He controls us. And they all look at him. What should we do? What should we do, Donald? Or what should we do, Barack? No, you've got to understand that you're hardwired that way and just step back and transcend your hardwiring. You're more than an animal. Agreed. And there's one thing that I do talk about here on the program is the fact that everyone wants you to sort of conform into the herd mentality type thing. And individualism is something that's frowned upon here in America. Everybody wants to put you in some sort of group. And I always think about the power of one. And following your cosmic true will, my definition of that, it's something that I coined myself, is when you follow in your own footsteps and not allow outside interference to sway any sort of path that is your true will, your cosmic true will. And that's something that I kind of came up with, because when you follow the path that you're intended to, everything else will just fall into place. That's just mm-hmm. kind of the way the, the the universe works. And after reading all sorts of different material uh, and in terms of religion and different sort of sacred texts, that's kind of what I took out of all these things was not to go into any sort of group, not to belong to these sort of groups, any group. It's more along the lines of thinking for yourself and following your own path away from outside influence. And again, that's following your cosmic true will, finding your own definition and meaning in life. And Robert, have you found that sort of path in life, your cosmic true will? Oh, I did. And it it took a long time. It takes a long time. Yes. And the separation period, one thing that, you know, we live in a society of instant gratification, which is, you know, fine. That's just the way it is. I'm not going to judge it either way. But to find what you call your cosmic will takes years of separation, years and years. And you will be rejected. You will be called all sorts of names. It's a kick in the head. You will be shamed. Yes. And and you will be pushed out. And do you have the stones to survive out there? If you don't, you know, better go back, take the blue pill, and watch your football games and be happy. But if you really want it, it's not it's not an easy path. It's not at all. But once you begin, once you get to a certain point, there's no going back. I agree. I have gone to the point of no return, and I really do love the path that I'm on. No gods, no managers. Um, Robert, there's other things that I did want to ask you, and that's in the notion of the reality of extraterrestrial life. Do you Mm -hmm. believe in that sort of concept that there are extraterrestrials out there, and probably many of them look like me and you? Essentially, we are the E.T. Yeah, that's, that question has always fascinated me. I, I, I'm sure you're familiar with Jacques Vallée. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love his work. Great man. Because. Was a great man. What he, 
Oh, I think I believe he's still. I hope he's still alive. He didn't die, did he? Chuck, I, I hope. I'm, I'm not sure. I I heard an interview with him. I guess six, maybe six, eight months ago. So I hope he's still around. Um, but his concept of he says one thing that I always loved. Yeah, he's was, actually still alive. If, if the little green, if all UFOs are are little green men from some other that's the Mandela uh, effect. Universe. I thought that, that's the Mandela effect. There, I thought he was dead. <laughs> but he said, if if the if it's only little green men from another universe or solar system or whatever, he said, I'd be very disappointed. The the, the UFO phenomenon is fascinating. What it actually means is beyond me. But it fascinates me. And I actually had one very powerful UFO experience. Did you? That, that changed my life. I, I, I really believe it did. Please tell. Yeah, just quickly, I was in that moment of separation. So I had been living in New York. I had pretty good life working in advertising in Manhattan. Ha, ha, ha. And it all just went, it just, it just went south. Ah. So I'm, I'm living on a farm and it's an abandoned farm, a couple thousand acres. And I was walking one night at dusk. Just to make us, I'll make it quick. These two lights come down and it it was shocking. And then boom, they just fly over a hill. But what was really interesting was the moment. I was in one of those moments in a liminal state. I wasn't, I was neither here nor there. I had very little money. I had no plan. I didn't know what I was going to do before I had really written any of these articles, anything. And it it, it kind of marked the moment. It was something like, uh, like a signal, like a sign. That really affected me. And, and I think with, I, I've talked about this before, UFO experiences, I think it's very important. Know what's going on in your life at that moment. Because maybe it's some, somehow or some way signaling it's a synchronicity, you know? Uh, what's yes. going on is important in this moment. That moment you see the UFO. I agree. And was that the, by the way, how, how old were you when you saw this? Were you a younger gentleman or was this later on in life? Oh no, yeah, this is, this was later on. This was, this would be like, I had a business in Manhattan and it was going well and it all went south. So this would be like 2009, 2010. Yeah, not that long ago. Yeah. Very recently, comparatively speaking. Well, I mean, there's individuals who talk about their experiences that were decades old. Yeah. So in those terms, it's fairly new. Mm-hmm. And did that really open up your mind uh, about this sort of subject even further than it already has? Did you become oh, curious? yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's such a powerful experience when you have it because, you know, people who haven't had this experience, you know, they say, well, you know, maybe it was, a, I don't know, a balloon or something. When you had an experience like this, you, you know that you saw something extra-worldly. Right. You just know it. And it impacts you in a powerful way. And it I think it really does because – you know, when you, then you, when you get deeper into the whole UFO world, which I find fascinating. And I love all people, I, I don't know what it is, but all the people kind of connected to that world, I just, they have a vibe that I, I just like. I can listen to those guys for hours. They're usually um, great people. Yeah. Very and nice they seem folks. to have open-minded and I, I like them. Some of them are very open-minded, but some of them are not. It, it goes both ways, but I, I do understand what you're talking about and Furthermore, we should get back to talking a little bit about the documentary and where people could find it. Uh, it's the question that I was getting just now. People are very curious about the documentary, The 21 Faces of God. And what exactly does that mean? 
Yeah. Uh, so in, in the tarot, there are um, 78 cards, 56 minor cards. That's like a regular playing deck, the 56 minor cards. And then there's 22 cards that we call the major arcana. Those are the famous cards. And the film is just about those major cards. So what I I called it the 21 faces of God because the zero card is the fool. And the rest of the cards are his journey. Kind of one of the, the thesis of the film is the cards are not just powerful archetypes, but the order of the cards, they describe a path to awakening. So it's when I say the 21 faces of God, these would be sort of the, the 21, not the only 21, but a very special collection of 21 archetypes that that can really open us up to not only ourselves, but that path to consciousness. Understood. Yes. And, of course, what are the origins of the tarot? If you do know yourself, this is a question that is often brought up, and lots of times people don't exactly have a clear understanding of the origins of the tarot. But Mm -hmm. uh, from what I understand, the origins come from somewhere in Egypt. I could be wrong, though. How do you feel about that, Robert? Yeah, that is true. The the minor cards come from Egypt, from the Mamluks. They had a, a a game, like a gambling game, that they would play. So those cards came from Egypt into Europe, either through Spain or through Italy, in probably like the 12th, 13th century. When those cards entered Italy as a as a as a game, this would be say 1400, right around that period. Yes were added, the 22 major arcana were added to the game as an extra element in the game. And those 22 cards were were key archetypes of early Renaissance Italy. And that's, that would be the origin of the major arcana from that period. But yes, the original cards did come from Egypt, the, 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 minor, the, the minor arcana. Understood. And who put the archetypes in the cards and why, if you know? Now that's a bit of a mystery. Who exa- we know the first deck, the, the first deck that we have of the major arcana are, is the Visconti Sforza deck. And that would be around 1420, 1430. And th- that was ordered as a gift, as a gift. Um, this was a very prominent family and they ordered this extra set of cards to be added to the playing deck. I see. Yeah. So it would come from right around that period in northern Italy. But who actually selected them and why, I believe that's still from my research, still the, the actual name of the person who came up with the first set. I believe that's still a mystery. And the question really does lie, was it a deliberate effort or did this, some, did this happen either organically, unconsciously? Uh, it, it's, it's really fascinating to think. Yeah, that, that's that's so interesting, that point, because did someone – a lot of people want to say, oh, it was just some super enlightened person or they actually come from the actual major arcana come from ancient Egypt. But my feeling and a little bit the thesis in the film is what was what happened was because it was a game, they needed to pick archetypes in order of importance. So the number, for example, the the seven card, the chariot trumps the six card, the lovers. So they had to pick these 22 motifs, but in order of importance. And by by putting that those limits on it, I think it almost forced them to select the most powerful archetypes of the time. And if you take a kind of a platonic view of it, these are these or a, a Jungian view of these archetypes. The archetypes are always there. It's not like somebody invents them. They're always there, and they've always they always have been. 
So it was almost like the perfect time and the perfect place and the perfect situation. Now, in the film, I also try and make the case that – not that it was an alchemic cipher, but alchemy played an important role in at least the path of the cards. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make a lot of and sense. I, and I try and show the comparison of alchemic images from that same period in that same place <clears throat> with the major arcana. And I think you can see the similarities. Now, I'm not an academic, and I, I really hope – one of the things I hope from this film is that some young graduate students will say, hey, you know, maybe we could dig deeper into this and really do the nuts and bolts research to see – if there's some connection between those alchemic images and the major arcana. But that's a little bit above my pay grade. Well, <laughs> not exactly. I think you definitely are onto something. Uh, being, being the fact that you've been on a lot of shows, you've been around the block a couple times, Robert. Um, I'm noticing that definitely this will go out there and it will be heard, especially from the younger generations and, and my audience as well. I definitely do have a younger generation of listeners out there. And they do find a lot of what we're talking about extremely fascinating. So a lot of what you just said will resonate and it will further the, I guess you could say the interest of these individuals out there. And they will look up, they will look up and research so much of what we're talking about here tonight. I think you really have accomplished that goal, in my opinion. No, thank you. I, I really hope that's true because I hope oh, people can take this and, and take it to the next level because there's a lot more to do do on this. By no way is it my film definitive. Understood 100%. And we definitely are coming to a close very soon here. And furthermore, I had realized that you are also into all kinds of different subjects. And one of those was on 9-11, Robert. Mm -hmm. You're very interested in that, correct? Yeah, I, that 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 topic has is is fascinated me, and um, I I see it because I've actually I've actually tried to investigate certain aspects of it, and I it was frustrating. I had frustrations with the truth movement, and I definitely had frustrations with the mainstream view of it. And I think we need to look at nine eleven not only from the materialist what exactly happened. Um, we need to look at it from a mythic point of view because there's a myth behind this and there's a truth in that myth. And that truth transcends whether there were planes, whether there are no planes. There's something there's in the synchronicity, the time, the moment. There's something extremely powerful there. And we can't get lost sometimes in in the detective work. I think sometimes the detective work leads us astray. I agree. Robert, I do want to thank you once again for being a part of the program. It was a tremendous honor and pleasure to have you here. I thought we both had a tremendous time talking about different subjects and matters that most people can't really do nowadays. Most people come from a place of anger and hatred, and there's none of that in my heart. I'm kind of completely done with anger. That's something that I work on constantly, and I've gotten rid of most of my anger. So I come from a place of love without fear, without any kind of evil intention, and I get that same sort of vibe from you, Robert. You know, th thanks so much. I really appreciate it, and um, I really like this conversation. I think it, was, it had a really nice flow to it. It's a nice vibe. It's a very it adult. Program. It's a very adult conversation, very open discussion where we could share thoughts and opinions and not want to kill each other afterwards. 
<laughs> exactly. And you know, if you if you filter that anger into creativity and and doing things and accomplishing the things, the sky's the limit. You, you betcha. It's a lot of energy there. <laughs> Agreed. And it's those who can master and conquer these sort of issues in life to separate the victim mentality to become a real winner. The choice is yours. Robert, my God, thank you so much for being a part of the program. Go ahead and plug anything you like. The stage is yours. Great. Thank you. I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I'm, I'm not, the, I'm not selling anything. So I just want folks not to be afraid. I'm not selling anything. Just go to YouTube. Watch the film. It's the 21 Faces of God. The only thing I would ask, if you like the film, just post it to other social media on your Twitter or Instagram and all that stuff. If, if you enjoy the film and, uh, and you want to do something, that would be great. Just spread the word. Amazing. Once again, thank you so much, Robert. And we'll do this again in the future. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely have to do a part two. Excellent. Have a great evening. You too, my friend. Take care. Mahalo. Take care. Bye-bye. And there he goes, a fantastic guest. Definitely don't forget, if you missed last week's show, you can go to michaeldeacon.com and you can find that episode. And also I want to thank those out there at theprogrammedradio.com as well as the great folks over at the L&M Radio Network where the program is streaming right now. Thank you very much. I certainly hope all of you enjoyed tonight's program. I thought it was amazing and I look forward to the next shindig. I'm Michael Deacon. Thanks for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Well, that was something I was going to ask you about, Michael. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask. Well, I was going to ask. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Hogan right now. Oh, Granny. I'm like Granny. I'm going to keep it real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool stuff. Right, you have one of the most incredibly well-rounded shows. Yeah. Uh, other than that. 22 years old. Still a virgin. Guess what? Successfully. At least.